0: This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over forty years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over twenty-seven years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey.
1: Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Woolsey and thank you for joining us this morning. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 28 years and I've enjoyed every single one of those years, every single one of those shows. Pretty sure I have. I can't think of one I didn't enjoy. But anyways, uh, we got a lot to to talk about before we um, uh, get into taking the calls. Uh, Let's talk about government debt because people are becoming concerned with the debt level of government. Uh, There are concerns such as government debt as a share of the economy has more than tripled over the last 20 years. And that makes it twice as high as it was during the Great Depression and approaching levels not seen since the end of World War II.
2: I mean, the thing is, people always look at that. I'm going to say the top line number. Yep. Oh, government debt's this level, and oh my gosh, it's outrageous. There's so many other things you have to look at in relation to that debt. I mean, you could be a, a millionaire mm-hmm. and have you know $100,000 of debt, let's say. Oh, that's not that bad. But if you have no money and you have $100,000 of debt, it's a big problem. It's <laughs> exactly. the same thing. And There's other things to look at here, too. I mean, what people don't understand is that with low interest rates, it is not really as much of a concern at this time. The concern comes when interest payments on the debt exceed 2% of the output, and you know right now it is currently under 2% of the output, so I, I believe we're pretty safe. And uh, what hopefully happens going forward our output increases, which would keep in check the interest payments on the debt and stay under 2%. Now, I will say the other thing that is going to have to happen is we can increase the output, but what that might also likely lead to is higher interest rates.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's going to be a problem down the road. And, and what is nice happening is that a lot of these 10-year uh, and 30-year notes and bonds are being locked in for that long time frame at a, what's a 10-year, about 1% now, which is yeah. still very low. It was as low as 0.6%, but that is one of the positives. And the other thing I always bring up for people because, you know, the media wants to focus on the debt, 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 uh, oh, it's going out of control. And again, I'm not thrilled with high debt. We always talk about that in companies, but they always forget to mention the assets that the government owns on top of that. And many of those are valued at prices back in the sixties, uh, even before that sometimes. So the government does have a lot of assets. So it's not like, Oh my gosh, we're going to go broke. It's kind of like when you have same situation, you have, uh, uh, a hundred thousand dollar debt, or we'll say a half million dollar debt. Um, and you lost your job. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. But wait a minute. I own my home free and clear worth a million dollars. We live in San Diego. So that's (laughs) more than doable. Um, and you could always sell that to get yourself out of that situation. So you got to look at the whole picture. The media, the mainstream media likes to look at just the negative. Oh, my gosh, your debt is growing. And that, I've said before, I mean, I think we can get to $35, $36 trillion in debt and still be okay um, because of how we handle it and so forth.
2: And I, we have talked about this in the past. And, and one thing that does concern me is, I mean, just all the spending we've done to mm-hmm. kind of fight this COVID-19 is I really think it's made us numb to these large large numbers yeah and people have to be careful we're saying things can be okay but if we keep on this track of oh this is just a three trillion dollar package here a <laughs> five trillion that's going to be problematic yeah. i mean yeah. that that's where we're going to have problems ensue but you know if we can get through uh, you know i i know that uh, president biden is now having some problems with his is stimulus kind of package yeah, a little bit but uh <laughs> he's having some problems with his stimulus package uh, because there's some senators coming out now that are like, I don't really know if we need to do it right now. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do believe that maybe it's not $1.9 We are going to have some stimulus, I I do believe. Uh, Not exactly sure on that that number. Mm-hmm. But I think once we get through that, we have to be very careful of how we're spending money. And we
1: were not, I think it was last week uh, when I reminding people that a lot of times a stimulus uh, is not going to stimulate the economy. It's going into either savings accounts or a lot of – Younger people going to Robinhood and gambling with stocks. Uh, Some are paying off debt, but it's really not stimulating the economy. And the other thing too is it's stimulating China's economy, not our economy, is part of the problem. Because I think last year China did what two point two percent grew their GDP by. Why we were down, obviously.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think they're the only country that had a positive GDP on the year. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and you know the thing too that you have to realize is you have to try and order American. But it's so hard right now. I mean, yeah. it's the issue is we talk about increasing the output. Well, it's very tough to increase the output when things are closed down. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of going to have some problems, I think, in the short term. But longer term, I think we will see that that GDP come back. We'll have that output. That'll be there. Um, but as I said, we, we just have to, to look at this closely. Nothing to panic about right now. But it's kind of like a, I'm going to equate it to this. It's a company right now that has a... Debt to equity. We say when companies get like 150% debt to equity, that's right. when we start to get a little bit worried. I'd say our, our debt to equity, and I don't have the exact number on this right now for the U.S. debt to equity, I'd say probably right now it's like 120. It's like, ah, you know, I don't really like it, but it's not disastrous at this
1: time. Right, right. And and again, you, when you look at that, when you start looking at the debt to equity and stuff like that, you're comparing things differently than they are. Because you never compare debt to revenue. Which is kind of what they're doing with the government. Well, look at the the debt compared to the GDP, which is, is that. But also, too, we do have uh, government revenue, uh, which uh, the tax revenue to pay off government debt. Uh, you know, kind of following up from uh, the debt post uh, that we just talked about. Uh, Want to discuss the other side of the equation, which is tax revenue pay off the debt. This is very important as your sales increasing, as your revenue increasing, and we don't have data through 2020 yet. It takes a long time to get that data out, but we do have through 2019 and uh, th- th- the revenue was growing things were working good
2: yeah, i mean things were looking all right i mean we, we kind of just went back to 2016 you, you see a uh, revenue of about 2.907 trillion dollars Then 2017 it was 2.979 trillion 2018 i'll call it about 3.0 trillion and then in 2019 th- things were actually looking pretty good we had uh revenue from a net tax collection. So that includes the refunds. I mean, people always, oh, the refunds. It's funny when people talked about that several years (laughs) ago. Oh, my refund went, the refund has nothing to do with your taxes. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to say it has nothing to do with your taxes, but it is not the total amount you pay. You could pay a lot more in taxes and get a bigger refund depending on how you do it with holdings, which would be terrible. But anyways, we look at that and you know, the net tax collection is what we wanted to look at. And, And they grew and I can guarantee you, we're going to see a drop in 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to be positive. But the, the reason we wanted to point this out is we can get back on track. here. It's not like we're going to go all of a sudden back down to $2.5 trillion over the longer term. Next year, or I guess this year in 2022, I think we'll see us getting back on track. And again, that's over $3 trillion that we're having in tax revenue to help pay off these deficits in the debt.
1: Right. And and one thing, too, I want to remind people, and again, a lot of people they are they're not happy with, with who got in. I guess 75 million people are not happy with uh, Joe Biden being president. He is president. But what you have to look at, I did this back with uh, Clinton, back with Obama. You have to realize that businesses are not saying, oh, okay, it's over. I'm going to close my business. And I'm talking large corporations, public companies that we buy. They're going to say, okay, how can we work with this new administration? What can we do to uh, make sales, to, to grow products, to grow earnings, uh, yeah, maybe there is a tax increase, but they'll still find ways around that to do the best that they can. So it's not just because Joe Biden's president, everything's going to shut on down. Uh, it's going to be different, and maybe not as much as we like it, but it's going to be different, but we will get through this as we did. And it's funny, I was reading something uh, last night, uh, back in the 50s, uh, oh gosh, his name just slipped me, the president, uh, Ike. Uh, oh, Dwight Eisenhower? Dwight Eisenhower. They were talking about socialism back then. And I'm thinking, well, hey, I thought that was just new to us right now in 2021. But 70 years ago, they were still concerned about socialism. So, my point being is that don't worry so much about who the president is. Find those good businesses that have a good balance sheet, that can have sales. Have good earnings, pay a nice dividend. They're going to be out there for the next four, probably the next forty years. But but be careful playing for the old, uh, the uh, high flyers there.
2: You know it, it is kind of funny bring that up. Uh, I was reading an article the other day just about kind of the history, and, and that's the thing we we always look at. I mean that that's one thing that influenced our decisions is history. I mean because if you don't learn from it, you're bound to repeat it. Exactly. And the thing is, history does repeat itself. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I mean, you look at the long term of our our country. We tend to be pretty in the middle because we start to swing one way, Mm -hmm. and we're like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible, and then swing the (laughs) other way. You go back to the 19—what is it, 1910s, 1920s, uh, Calvin Coolidge, I believe is his name. He was president. He was very hands-off. He was very capitalist. He wanted, like, no government, no regulations, basically. Well, then we saw uh, some—I forget who came in after him, but he was another kind of right-type president with no— government involved. i think it was hoover after herbert hoover that's right and then he inherited the great depression or the great depression began then we went so far left with fdr franklin d roosevelt and then that was that for several years and then we went back and i said with eisenhower then we got reagan then we had you know all Mm -hmm. these other things that come about and same thing back with fdr people talk about socialism oh my gosh it's terrible it happens over time and you you just can't frame your investment decisions off it because you're you're going to hurt yourself. In the yeah, long you're going to hurt
1: yourself. And, yeah, you may not be happy. And, and, and then, oh, you know, this is going to be terrible. And he's going to do this. And yes, he's going to do some things, maybe many things that you don't like. But it's not going to change the business or the valuations of the businesses that are actually making money and have good balance sheets and so forth. So uh, speaking about the economy, let's talk about new construction, new home construction and building permits. This is just kind of amazing. Uh, home building closed out 2020 as one of the strongest sectors in the economy. It looks like early 2021 will hold that trend. In December, new home construction and permits for new homes reached levels not seen since 2006. Unbelievable. Uh, new construction grew 5.8% compared to November and increased 5% compared to 2019. And permits, there's even more information there.
2: I mean, this is, uh, I think, really bodes well for the beginning of the year in, in home building. I mean, you, you look at the permits, which, of course, is you filing it through the government right. to be able to build it. So it's kind of a, a future indicator as what, why the permits are so important. But they grew 4.5% from November, and they spiked 17% compared to last December. I mean, the home builders are really looking for a, a good year here in 2021. Uh, as I kind of said, that this is a, a good indicator for things to come here. And you know, one reason the homebuilder is so important is the lack of supplies coming online from existing homeowners. Last year, the average homeowner had been at that home for 13 years. This compares to 2010 when that reading was 8.7 years. I mean, that is a huge increase. It sounds like, oh, it's only you know, about five years. Well, oh, but it makes a, a big long difference time when you right? multiply that across all the homeowners in the country. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I still think that homebuilders are going to do quite, quite well in 2021. And I, we've talked about their stocks in the past. Yep. You have to, again, differentiate between the stock and the economy. Yep. Because I think the home builders their numbers are going to be quite strong, but if there's an inkling of a slowdown in the future years the stocks could have some problems.
1: Yeah, cuz they try to foresee what's going on and and uh, oh, and by the way, I don't think I gave out the phone numbers when I first uh, announced, but uh, the phone numbers to call in because we'll be taking calls in a few minutes here. 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577- 2473, and as always, gets you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Uh, but Chase, I talked to a client yesterday, and we talked about the, the uh, permits. Well, I was shocked. I, I emailed him back, because he's going he's gonna to build a house, so what he's going to do. And he said he needed $30,000 to pay for the permit. Now, I, I didn't get the answer back from him, but I'm thinking, wow, is it $30,000 to get a housing permit to, to build it? I mean, that sounds like a lot of money to me. I mean, gosh.
2: Yeah, and I, I know we had another client that, that kind of was in the home building space, and I, I don't have the exact numbers here, but this is just a conversation I had with him, and he said uh, that, you know, part of the reason housing's so expensive down here is the permit is so darn expensive that the home builders have to charge these prices and pass it along to the consumers. I mean, it's, it's costly.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think there's other costs besides the permits on top of that, but it's just like Thirty thousand dollars, and and that goes, I guess, I, I guess it goes to the city or the county. I don't know. I I, I mean, but what do they do with all that money? I mean, because again, that's just one. Uh, you, you know, everybody thinks, oh, we're paying property taxes and the sales tax and everything else. How much money are they bringing in from these housing permits, and what are they doing with it?
2: Yeah, I. It's it's crazy. Yeah, um, so. But I did also have – you stole my notes for today for people that oh, yeah, are curious. Sorry, yeah. That uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll tell everybody I forgot my notes. we sitting at my desk in the office like, gun it. <laughs> but but we did bring up existing home sales. I just wanted to point right. this out as well is that, I mean, the existing home sales, they were phenomenal in 2020. They were $5.64 million for the entire year. That's the best in 14 years and rose 5.6% compared to the prior year. I mean, it, it's just – Crazy! In the last month, sales saw an uptick of 0.7 percent in December, and then total sales jumped 22.2 percent from a year ago. And the reason I'm saying this is insane is that we had that amount of new home, or excuse me, existing home sales in 2020, right. is because they slowed down quite a bit for I think like a month or two where yeah. people didn't know, and then they just caught on fire. And the problem here is we just talked about the supply, right? It is crazy that we had. That amount of sales with no supply on the market. Right. I mean, it makes sense if, yeah, we had a ton of supply out there and people are trying to sell and move and do all these things. But the supply was so limited. And we still went back, what did I say, 14, 16 years. Yes, 14 years. In terms years. of levels. Yep,
1: yep. So, yeah. So it's just amazing what's going on. And, and the thing we're watching, and we still hold our home builder, uh, but we do feel it's getting close to the top and very concerned about. And, and again, it's not going to be like, oh, things need to crash and go down. It's the slowdown or concerns of the slowdown that could bring the housing building stocks uh, back down again. So you got to watch that closely of what, yeah. what's going on. And, and then lastly, for our, our great producer who always does such a great job here, and he just loves when we talk about Tesla. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Tesla, just a fun number for you. Tesla's valuation is Tesla has, was recently valued at $1.25 million per vehicle sold And compare that to. I'll let you get the GM number. Do you remember what the GM number is? Since (laughs) I took the notes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I just it leaves me speechless. Again, I'm going to reemphasize: 1.25 million for Tesla, 9,000 for GM per vehicle sold. I mean, how can you quantify that? Like, how how can you like even say, yeah, that makes sense? Right. Oh well, 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 Tesla's going to Tesla's growing. (laughs) Okay. Well, how much do they have to grow to reach a normal valuation? It's
1: I, 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 I looked at our uh, post today uh, a little bit before I came in, and, and somebody commented on that saying, Tesla's not a car company. Well, <laughs> it's like, well, yes, they are. I'm sorry. Yeah, now, again, they're an advanced technology car company, but they're still a car company. So well, just a
2: bit I way. mean Can you make the same argument that GM's not a car company then? Like, what are they saying? Are they saying Tesla's a technology company because they have autonomous vehicles? Or the autonomous drive. Wow, well, GM, they're pretty far up there. They just got a $2 billion influx of cash to their cruise division, including a partnership with Microsoft. Oh, that's a real technology company. (laughs) Right, There you go. And, I mean, Honda came out and said they're going to use the cruise automation. They're, you know— it's almost like a cab. I, I forget the, the name of the division, but it's like a autonomous cab that takes people places. They're going to use that in Japan and from Honda. I mean,
1: do they say when? You know?
2: They didn't have the exact date. I mean, obviously they still have to file through the regulations and everything. Right. But I mean, it's looking pretty good. I just don't understand how you can make that argument that if you compare Tesla and G, oh, Tesla is way different than GM.
1: How? They started the technology. We'll give Tesla that yeah. credit. You yeah. know, and again, they had some great things. But GM is fast approaching. Even Ford—they're farther behind. But I mean, it's not like people are saying, "Oh, this is never going to happen." You, you know, just no. There's more and more competition. We know Mercedes, Porsche, everybody. Audi—I think Audi has something in twenty twenty-five. All cars can be electric. So I'm, I'm sorry, Tesla—that's going to be the thing. I think is going to break the back of them. Is that they're not the only moat. And what? And what, what does uh, Warren Buffett uh, used to say? Like, you want a car or a company with a moat around it? Yeah. There's no moat there at all. It's like wide open gates.
2: Well, and especially you look at a company like GM that has billions of dollars to spend. Mm -hmm. They're a tough competitor. And, you know, either GM's valuation should come way up or Tesla should come way down. And I I don't think GM's should go way up. I think it is still undervalued. But uh, Tesla up there just uh, makes no sense. And you cannot tell me it's
1: not a car
2: company. Uh, What? They they produce cars. They I produce
1: cars. That's their main main revenue. Yeah. And, I, and I guess, uh, and I, I I I don't know how their their income comes in. I, I think there's what they have the solar company in there, and some other things. But is that, that's that's yeah. not part, that is part Sunrun. Yeah, I yeah. Think they,
2: no, they didn't buy Sunrun. Solar City.
1: Solar City. But then they have other things that are not in Tesla, which are other companies, and they're not Tesla won't benefit from that. They're like
2: so. SpaceX is what Elon Musk. Owns, but it's not part of Tesla not part of Tesla and people get that misconception too is like oh it's SpaceX it's like that's right. nothing to do with Tesla <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I love the name of this company the boring company which is like it's not boring oh. but it bores you know underground yeah that's not part of Tesla either no so yeah so it, it's just um, and the other thing is
2: <clears throat> Elon Musk again he's very intelligent let's talk about SpaceX, the boring company and Tesla How in the world can that guy manage his time? To do all these crazy things.
1: Oh, he doesn't sleep, I've heard. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I <laughs> am being facetious. Yeah. He, he obviously does. But uh, he, yeah, and, and he just, and again, he's a very brilliant guy, but you've got to look at what you're paying for something. So, all right, uh, phone lines are open, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866-577- 577 2473, and you've got that stuff that you've kind of looked at buying or you're thinking about buying or maybe you got one that you're saying, gosh, maybe it is too pricey, you want a second opinion, that's what we're here for to talk about what you want to talk about. Again, eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. I know we got some questions on Facebook. Uh, what do we got there, Chase?
2: Oh, uh, well... Just- Got a couple here kind of caught me off guard, but uh, looking, this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, Jason came out and said, uh, Do you set up accounts that pay a monthly payout to the holder of that account? If so, could you please explain how that works a little bit? Thanks, guys.
1: Okay, so we uh, pay that again. So, so our income account. Oh, income accounts. Okay. Yeah, and, and to answer that question, we do have that. And, and I'm, I'm going to guess maybe 20% of our uh, accounts in our portfolio could be a little bit high um, take income from their portfolio. And, and I've done this for well over 20 years, and I actually went back and studied back even during the World War II. What would have happened if you did this? And what we do is I tell people it's kind of like a chess game. We actually manage the total return, and we look at uh, more cash in the portfolio. We look at dividends, and then what we do is we pay out a 6% distribution rate. Now, your principal is going to move, but the key is, and people always get this wrong, is they don't know what to sell. They panic and they sell the ones that are the best value and keep the overvalued ones kind of giving our secret away here. But you still got to know what to do. Um, and you're going to hurt your portfolio. We did not have any trouble through the Great Recession, paying our, our, our clients the 6% distribution rate. Same thing with the pandemic. Did not have any problems. paying out. We have never missed a check in well over 20 years by doing it and managing it the way we do it.
2: Yeah, and the, the other problem that people have as well is when things go well is they they start to take more from it. And they're like, oh, oh yeah. my account's up. Yeah. I did great. Well, now you're pulling from it. Now that's going to hurt you in the down years yep. because now you kind of borrowed that money and you don't have a way to pay it back. Right. It, it's it's a big issue. And it, I don't want to say it's it's like our annuity because we hate annuities. Right. But that's what annuity companies do is they don't let you take any more money from it. Once you <laughs> lock in that annuity, you're stuck with it. And with our income portfolio, you can take from it, but we always tell people the more you take, if you go above that 6%, it might work out, right? but you're really starting to put yourself at risk. Because what we've kind of looked at is, let's say you take 8% a year from it. All right, well, you know, it might work for a little bit, but then also maybe we have that down year. Well, oh gosh, now we're taking a 10% distribution. Oh my gosh, now I need to take more right. from it. And now you have these issues where now you're at 13% in your distribution rate. That's not sustainable, and that continues to build on itself, and your distribution rate gets higher and higher. So, you know, it is very important that you understand your expenses and what your income will look right. like so you don't hurt yourself. Because that that's 6% that we pay out, it's sustainable. But you really have to be disciplined, and you have to know what you're doing with your investments.
1: And, and it's funny because I just had in this past week a client, uh, they, they needed money from their account. And again, I always tell people, it's your money. You can do what you want to do, but we, we give our clients all the information. And I told him, I said, because he was taking a distribution of a 6% from the portfolio. And he goes, I need, more, I, I need this for something that, that he was going to do. I forget what it was and so forth. But he, he needed a large amount of money. I said, okay, can we reduce your income? He goes, no, I need the income. I said, okay, well, I want to let you know that now you're going from a 6% distribution rate up to a 7.8% distribution rate. And what could happen is eventually your principal can be eaten into because you're taking out too much over time, and it makes it much harder to come back from that. And so, again, he still needs to do it. He still wanted to do it. But, you know, we do not recommend going above 6% because it has not failed doing 6%. But you go to say, we had one guy, I don't know if he's still doing it, but I think he was taking 10%. We've told him a number of times, like, you're going to use up all your money. You know, he goes, well, guys, you guys do so well. It's like, yeah, but the thing they don't realize, on the down years, uh, that's when you're taking out more that can really hurt it because you can't rebond that because of compounding.
2: Yep. How that works. Yep. So, I, it's, yeah. it's so important, and yeah. I will point out again. The nice thing is you have a lot more flexibility with you know taking income from a portfolio. Once you do the annuity, hey, uh, I need ten thousand dollars. This emergency happened. They're gonna look at, or they're gonna just hang up the phone, basically, because they can't do anything. Like yeah. It's it's locked in that contract, so that's one reason we hate annuities is you you have no flexibility with them.
1: Yep. Yep. All righty, so phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And I'm wondering if my computer just uh, froze up here because I put in the symbol uh, for Jim on PG. Did, did you try it? And uh, um, it's not it's, nothing's coming up here. And I know Procter & Gamble is a, a big company. Um, let's see, did, did we miss something? Maybe the computer somebody messed it up to where... It's not accepting the, well, no, because I did in the very beginning. Let me, let me try a different kind. Well, this is, this is terrible. I, I hate when, uh, I hate technology. Working. Yours working? Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to maybe turn it over to you because for some reason, and I think it's something to do with my pop-up or something maybe, because nothing's coming up uh, on that. So, well, well, let's go out to uh, uh, Alpine and speak with Jim. Good morning, Jim. You're on the Smart Investor. Brent Chase, how can we help you?
3: Hey, good morning, guys. How's this connection? I was having tough tough time with your call screener. Oh. uh
1: Sounds good. Yeah, you sound good. Yeah, you must be on the cell phone, I guess.
3: Yeah, I am. I just I put on a different headset. That may have been the issue. Okay. Uh, once again, thanks so much for being there all the time. It's a great show, and uh, now that you're two hours, it's uh, it really messes up my morning. But what the heck? Well, we're glad you make us part of your morning. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, Procter and Gamble. Yeah, I own uh, I own a bunch of it. And it's just, uh, lately it's, uh, actually my options in it have been tanking and they're, they're, they're leaps for like, uh, you know, 15 months out and I'm going, what the heck is going on with Procter & Gamble? Why is it going down? I would think the demand given the COVID and everything with everybody staying home would be going up. But, uh, do uh, you got any thoughts on why it's, uh, why it's dropping?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I and you know, it's funny, I, mean, I was so excited to look at P and G because I remember looking at it years ago and, and I kind of looked at it like, gosh, if I had bought it years ago, the returns wouldn't be that good. Unfortunately, I'm still having difficulty signing it. Not signing it. I'm in. I'm into the program, um, but it just when I put the symbols in, it nothing happens. So, Jason, going to have to you, you yeah, we'll take a look at the
2: numbers down. and then what we'll kind of talk about. Uh p for you there, uh, Jim. Uh, current P.E. Sure. ratio for Procter & Gamble, 24.57. Uh, that is still favorable to the industry average, but just barely. This it's 24.75. Current price of sales at 4.33 is slightly above the industry average of 397 no price of tangible book value. We know P&G, Procter & Gamble, has had a lot of acquisitions of different brands and companies, so likely have a lot of goodwill and intangibles on their balance sheet. So that makes sense. We just want to make sure we understand those intangible assets and what they could potentially sure. do to the balance sheet down the road. Looking at the current price of cash flow, 19.25. That is also slightly higher than the industry average, 17.82. You do get a decent dividend here from Procter & Gamble of 2.4%. Nice here that they only use fifty-seven point one percent of their earnings to pay out that dividend. Sustainable. They're not, you know, a tech company that's going to need to invest in a lot of different capital expenditures. So, uh, very comfortable with that dividend payout. Looking at growth rates, sales are up six point three percent over the last twelve months, slightly below, or actually about half the industry average of thirteen point one two. Very strange here. Earnings have grown one hundred ninety-two point three percent. Well, the industry has grown just 32.4%. Um, guessing something with write-offs, or there's, there's something strange with the accounting of that. Is, of course, we know it's tough to grow your earnings over 190% while your sales are up to 6%. Financial sure. strength for Procter & Gamble, uh, it looks pretty good. A little bit worried on the, the liquidity of it. The current ratio is just 0.78. I like to see get a number above 1, but not anything I'm super worried about at this time especially while their total debt to equity is just 64.6%. That's very, very manageable. Look at the management effectiveness of the company. Return on capital is very strong at 16.5, and return on equity about 30. I mean, that that's uh, very good numbers there. Profitability ratios, the profit margin, 18.8%, compares favorably to the industry of 16.1. Looking at receivable turnover of 1477 Also better than the industry average, of eleven point three, and inventory turnover of six point two, and about the industry average of six point four. And it looks like Brent's still working away over there. Uh, So let's look out for a target sell price on Procter and Gamble as well. Current price of one thirty, compares to the fifty-two week high of one hundred forty-six dollars and ninety-two cents, and that fifty-two week low is ninety-four dollars and thirty-four cents. Now. When I go out to June, they report on a fiscal year 2022 is what we're looking at. The average earnings per share, well, that's six dollars and four cents. That would give us a target sell price of 97.84. And Procter and Gamble, their their earnings, I'm going to say, are quite stable, but they're expensive, and I don't think you're going to see much earnings growth or true earnings growth. Let's say that without any accounting. Irregularities, like we may have seen, and I think the reason they've also struggled here, Jim. Uh, you know, we, we do have a, a food company in the portfolio, and it seems like the defensive sector to begin the year has been a little bit slow. And I think that's why you may have seen some issues with Procter and Gamble, as we've kind of seen with one of our defensive companies. I would say uh, that that's just my insight at this time.
3: Did you say a food company?
2: Like, yeah, yeah we have a food company. A- And I know Procter and Gamble is not a food company, but they're in that same type of realm of like, oh, it's a defensive company. Their earnings are very stable, and so forth. I I think that those companies are just being hurt a little bit to begin the year.
3: Huh? Yeah, it's interesting. It sounds like a really strong company that might be just a little bit overvalued.
4: Yeah,
2: Uh, yeah, and
3: somewhat over. Yeah,
2: yeah, I know Procter and Gamble. They they've generally carried a little bit higher of a. Uh, valuation on the company. But I think that's the reason that the stock hasn't done super great is because you're not getting much earnings growth. And there's really not much opportunity for valuation expansion, because you're already at, you know, 20, what do we say, 24, 25 times earnings, was it going to do go to 30 times earnings, that doesn't make much sense. So basically, you're relying on the valuation multiple staying the same. And hopefully you get some earnings growth. And that's really going to cap out what your your returns
1: can be. Yeah, and it's kind of funny yeah, you say uh, like, may not go to uh, – it doesn't make much sense going to three times earnings, but there are companies that are overpriced at that. So yeah, it could, it could happen, but not likely. I yeah. would say possible, uh, but not likely. So, yeah.
3: So, yeah, and I like I like their dividend growth. I mean, you could, it's almost like a ski slope, but just constantly yep. going up. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I think they could continue uh, I like, to I like that a lot. Good. All right. Well, I'm back up and running. so That's good. That's I missed miss that whole conversation. Oh, that so, good. Jim, I can't give you much of a comment because <laughs> I'm busy on the computer trying, what's going on here? Yeah. Chase, don't pay him for the first half hour. He yeah. wasn't there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Jim. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Always. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866-577- 577 2473 and Chase, you know that company that is trading at what, 30, 40 times earnings now? That little company called Microsoft. Yeah. For some reason, uh, what is it? Their Internet Explorer, it doesn't work very well. Uh, Chrome works much better with this program. So you would think, for what they're making and what they're doing, can we not get Internet Explorer to work better? I don't know. I mean,
2: uh, I haven't used Microsoft uh, Internet Explorer in a long time. I think they've kind of. Shifted away from that. They're like, oh, nobody uses Internet Explorer anymore. So. Yeah, because that's
1: what I, it was just on. And when i came in, I didn't realize I put in our program into there and, put, and it, came up fine, but it wouldn't react. So hopefully I got it up now. So with that said, again, phone number is 866 577 2473. Let's head out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you are on the Smart Revess Show right. with Brent Chase. How can we help you?
3: Hey, guys, this week I'm uh, kind of looking at Madison Square Garden Sports.
1: Okay, and and I think we got a call on that a week or so ago, and I co- I don't think we got the numbers, so I was glad to see we got it this week. Uh, again, Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden Sports, symbol is MSGS, and unfortunately here, John, no P.E. ratio, but that's the same as the industry. Uh, I'm just wondering, no, they didn't report earnings. There's a lot of missing uh, blanks here, but um, uh, price of sales is 6.9 versus 5.3. There is no price of tangible book value, nor is there any price of cash flow. So I know in the past I kind of got excited about this, and they really went way up, and uh, something happened. Go ahead. They,
2: they like spun off. Yeah, they were the arena and the sports team, or you know, uh, there was a combination of things. I know they split off into two different companies there, and one got the arena, and one got the sports. Or the, I don't remember the exact. Uh, and and split I'm up. just.
1: Yeah, I'm just guessing here. I wonder if this is the arena because they have like no earnings. Well, they've been closed. <laughs> Close, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe that's it. So if you are going to go into this, John, you really got to make sure you understand which one you're buying here. They do have sales growth year over year, Those up 8.8%. Industry was down 47%. Earnings per share did fall by no surprise here for a sports company down 97%. The industry is down 238. Uh, I see a current ratio, very scary, 0.31 versus 1.4. Debt to equity, not material versus one ninety seven. I don't think they have any equity as a problem. Well, no, that is not true because return to equity shows a negative nine point two, so they must have equity if you got a negative number there. And then we do see net profit margin a negative seventeen point six versus a negative twenty five. So that's a positive on the negative side. And then we see return over nine versus five point nine. And I'm very curious, Chase, do they have any earnings going forward? <laughs>
2: Well, uh, now I'm having technical difficulties oh, just, over here, so <laughs> okay. um, I'm working on pulling it up. Just, to, but if you want to go over and give the
1: current price and stuff, so yeah, let me, let me go over that and let me know when you want to uh, kick back in here because now I gotta get over there. Okay, so so uh, uh, again, we see a current price was 174.34 dollars They're high for the year, 225.62. The low is 130. Uh, looking out, they're on a fiscal year. So we're going to look out to June uh, 2022. Are you up yet, Chase, or no?
2: Oh, my computer is moving really slow.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. So we're going out to uh, June 2022. Uh, looking at the earnings, we see earnings of a uh, dollar forty-seven. Uh, using a f- multiple, f- are you going to calculate? Cal- cal- yeah. Target
2: go. sell price on that would give us twenty-three dollars and eighty-one cents. So yeah. I mean, it, it's it's pricey. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pull up what the Company does to see what exactly they own, uh, to see if it is the sports team or if it is the arena. Do, yeah. do you know that, John?
5: No, no, they they own the
3: Knicks and the Rangers. Okay, okay,
5: right. So,
2: and I know, I'm not saying this is the right way to value the company, but in reading kind of other, um, you know. People that that value the, these types of stocks, are, they're kind of looking at saying, "Well, the Dodgers sold for this amount, <laughs> so then they kind of extrapolate that out and pull it in." I mean, because Madison Square Garden Sports is, you know, four point three three four billion. Um, you kind of get into, I'm going to say, a guessing game because the Knicks have been terrible for years. I know. <laughs> so what, not what, right what now, they? they're doing pretty well. Are they doing pretty <laughs> well? Yeah, uh, yeah, they're like okay. an eight seed right now in the playoffs, but it's only been like 13 games. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I'm not too sure. I, I haven't followed basketball in, in quite a while, but, uh, you know, it, it's what is their worth? It, it's, I don't know, whatever somebody will pay for it. And especially after a year where you shut down yeah. the arenas and there's still no fans in there. What is, what is the sports
1: team worth? I don't know. And the other thing I, I look at too is that this is an exciting company and I think people will pay more for it. I don't think they going have any great values here. Uh, and the question is how, how high can it go? And, and so I, I, have looked at this space before and it's just always too, you know, I want to hold a, hold a sports team. Wow, how great that would be, but you're going to pay up for it. And that's what concerns me is so that you're paying too much for it.
3: Yeah, because I, I, there's another one, Liberty Braves, that has done pretty well. And, you know, they own the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's one that's, that's done well in that space.
1: Yeah. So it's just if you're going to play in that arena, no pun intended, yeah. <laughs> um, you're going to pay up for it and a little more risk there, I think. All righty? Okay. Thanks, guys. All right, John. Thanks for calling. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.
2: I was going to say – I, I I didn't know this. I pulled up the profile on the company, uh-huh. and it says its portfolio of assets include the New York Knickerbockers. Oh, yeah, I didn't it. know that. that yeah. was, I just thought it was the Knicks. and knickerbockers. knickerbockers. Isn't is that like an underwear or something? I
0: don't know. It, I
2: don't even know what a Knickerbocker is. Yeah. yeah I,
1: well, I grew up in upstate New York and yeah, had the, the, the New York Knickerbockers and then they just cut it to the Knicks. You know, yeah. So, but yeah. And I'm not sure what a Knickerbocker is. So. Yeah. It says they're baggy trousers. <laughs> oh, they're baggy trousers. Now, why would that be? Because you don't wear trousers when you play basketball. Never. Never. I, you know, somebody out there, maybe nostalgic, will look back and say, well, it came up from this because maybe the the owner wore baggy trousers and that's why they (laughs) we're getting way off the investment (laughs) side let's go back (laughs) to the investment side phone number is 866-577-2473 again that's 866-577-2473 let's go out to san diego and speak with clay clay you're on the smart best show Brent chase how can we help you
6: hey buddy how you doing
1: good how you doing it, wait, good. Good. Is this the clay that installed my solar system? This is the same guy. Hey. You know, I gotta tell people you did the best job ever. And we have talked about because I, I like to promote people to help me out. We never got together to give more information on it because you gave me the best price and the great job. Um so so I, I, I want to just take a quick side road here <laughs> and I want you to give out your phone number and, and your company name because you did such a fabulous job on my solar system. I, I want people to know about it.
6: Oh, thank you. It's uh, Clay Co. Electric. We started here in San Diego. We uh, we do California and Arizona now. Uh, phone number six one nine nine seven one two seven nine nine. 619-971-2799. All
1: right. And, and then if people say, well, gosh, you know, I didn't get that, they can go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com, say, hey, I need a solar guy. We refer Clay to you. So, okay, so I... Back to the show after that commercial. <laughs> How can we help you out, Clay?
6: <laughs> so actually, uh, with with the uh, company, I had a question. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially, uh, we'd like your advice as well. You know, we, uh, I appreciate everything you do with us and uh, our investments. We did well this year, so thank you for that.
4: Oh, thank you for being uh, a client.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, with our growth, you know, every year we're growing, growing, growing. You know, this year we're you know sitting you know probably you know five to 10 million,
4: mm-hmm.
6: um, and looking for other revenues, you know, like I think, you know, maybe it's time to get a, you know, a, a better tax guy, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that's, you know, maybe, you know, does stuff on a larger scale, that sort of stuff. Do you have any recommendations for that?
1: Uh, we do. I will give you the tax guy that I use and I don't have his information here. So, uh, call me or send me an email. I'll get that to you uh, on Monday. Actually, I'm going from the office today, to make some phone calls. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get that to you because it's very important that you have a good tax person that looks at every everything and knows what they're doing. So I, w- I will get that for you, Clay, uh, uh, on Monday for you.
6: Okay, perfect. Hey, and then you have know, kind of been playing with some penny stocks, and I had a question on a uh, PHBI. Okay. You know, with this new administration, do you think some of these pharmaceutical companies are you know, finally going to start to take off and you know grow? I think I put like two grand into it a few weeks ago. At one point, I was up sixteen hundred bucks. You know, I think right now I'm sitting about eight hundred bucks up. But what do you think, you know, going forward for these, you know, these marijuana dispensaries and that sort of stuff?
1: Well, we'll kind of go over the numbers here for you. But I, I want to let you know, uh, my fiance and I were going to Vegas for Valentine's Day. I think you need to join us. You can do some gambling there and get off the penny stocks. <laughs> 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 but uh, we'll take a look at the company's uh, Farm, Pharma Green Biotech Incorporated. The symbol is PHBI. Uh, and this is what I'm talking about. There's no P-E ratio. Uh, no price of sales, Uh, there's nothing here, and it could be a very brand-new company, so that's why there's nothing there. I do see their earnings per share were down 173%, which could be normal for a growing company. Uh, No debt-to-equity, current ratio 0.08. I mean, there's just not much here. I know Chase can pull up the market cap and so forth, and you've got to be very careful with, with penny stocks because many times the volume's not there, and you might see it go up. But they only sold like a thousand shares, and you got like ten thousand shares. You try to get that price, you're going to hurt the market. What what do you got over there, Chase?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I'll I'll give the current price. It's two, about two cents. Um, Fifty-two week range. The low is point zero zero six, and the high, wow, uh, eighty-two cents. I mean, it's it's been all over the map here. The the crazy thing is that that kind of Brent talked about. The market cap is just seven million dollars. So you know, you could have somebody come in one day and, and sell. You know one of the owners, let's say, and sell $50,000 worth of stock, that is going to move this stock like crazy because there's just not much volume out there. Of course, there's no estimated earnings. And the other thing, too, I mean, this is truly a gamble, obviously, Clay, is it is in Canada. And we haven't touched on this in quite a while, but a couple years ago we talked about these Canadian um, pot stocks. They have these CEOs, and because it's not on the New York Stock Exchange, it's completely different and there's been a lot of I'm gonna say fraud and, and some big issues that weren't covered a couple of years ago I, I don't know if they've resolved those problems but there's definitely a lot of risks in this it could go to I don't know five cents and you'd be up big time yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's uh it, it's it's definitely a big big risk here yeah
1: so again I think you know that you're taking that gamble and I'd love to tell you yes it's gonna be a great go ahead and do it uh, but it, it's just something that, uh, again, I'm going to go to Vegas and I'll probably lose all my money, but, uh, maybe what's going to happen here to you. <laughs> all right, Clay. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thanks guys. All right. Thanks for calling. Uh, thanks for calling in. And uh, Hey, don't be a stranger. Talk with you soon. Absolutely.
6: You guys have a great weekend.
1: Mm, bye-bye. righty. That does open the phone line. 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866 577 two four seven three but it's now time to talk about financial planning very important because again we talk about the investment side but you got to pull the whole thing together in a financial plan know everything's going on for that we bring on our financial planner harrison johnson uh, our cfp from uh, Will Asset management good morning harrison how you doing
7: morning guys how are you
1: good i know i know you got a great topic today kind of continuation of last week so i'm going to give you the floor
7: yeah, exactly. It is a little bit of a continuation from last week. So last week, again, I talked about how capital gains could potentially see a tax rate increase, especially with income above a million dollars. So, um, people selling businesses, real estate, um, potentially some stocks, and even in California, are, are the tax rate could be close to 60%. Um, another thing that could, uh, that could affect capital assets, which is stocks, bonds, businesses, real estate, um, much any type of asset that's not in a retirement account is we could see a repeal of the step-up and basis and most of you probably know what that is but just real quick um what step-up and basis happens is if you buy something let's say for a hundred thousand dollars and that grows to we'll say nine hundred thousand dollars um and then you die whoever inherits that asset from you their cost basis gets stepped up to whatever the fair market value is at death so it would be nine hundred thousand dollars so if they sell that um, they essentially avoid that $800,000 gain and they can sell it and, and pay no no uh, capital gain taxes on it. So one of the things that um, has been talked about with the new administration is repealing that step-up in basis. Um, not only that, but they have also talked about treating death as a realization event. And so what that would mean is if someone died with some assets that appreciated, even if the whoever inherited those assets didn't sell them, um, the unrealized gain would still be taxable. And so you know that, that capital gain tax would essentially be taxed to the te- decedent's estate, um, again, whether or not they sell it. And you know if there's a, a accumulation of different assets, a lot of stocks, a lot of bonds, real estate um, businesses that have all unrealized gains in them, and then at death, all of those unrealized gains are taxable in the same year. You could really see a lot of capital gain taxes, and again at, at those higher rates. And so, it, it's definitely something to uh, to be aware of here.
1: Yeah, and what this does kind of wants you to kind of prepare, think of well, if this does happen. I don't think it's going to, but you got to know what could happen in the future to be prepared for it. Um, we've got to find ways around it, and again, we will. But I, I and Harrison, how long do you think before this could come to play? It's not going to happen this year, obviously
7: no and that's why i'm talking about it now because some of these assets are aren't extremely liquid and so you want to be aware of it before it would potentially come into play but i would say um we're in 2021 now i think 2021 is safe as far as all current tax law goes but potentially next year you know we could see some changes um and we're going to get a better understanding of those changes as the year progresses um and as the administration tries to do the things that they do and and you know we'll see how the um, Congress goes along with it, but you know I definitely think there are going to be some changes. maybe this is one of them, maybe this is not maybe the capital gains are one of them, maybe the estate tax exemption is going to be one of them, but you know there's there's so many things that could potentially be impacted, and that's why it's so important to be aware of it beforehand uh, so that you can take advantage of it you know it's kind of funny you know people always complain about taxes I'm one of them by the way, but people also <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I love paying taxes can... <laughs> yeah please let me yeah. send the government more money <laughs>
7: Don't like it, like paying taxes. But a lot of people think they're getting screwed because they're like, "Oh well, everyone else is just taking advantage of loopholes." You hear that word loopholes a lot. Right. Well, how about you become aware of some of those loopholes and you can take advantage of them too. And so that's one of the things that I work with people um, when I'm when I'm working in financial planning.
1: Right. And and here's I want to point out to people, at our firm is so different because that is all you do. You just do financial planning. You can think ahead for people, and that's you're, again you're looking down the road. Um, I can never understand because, again, you do the financial planning in our office, Chase and I do the investment management, and both of them take a lot of time. I cannot understand how someone goes to, quote-unquote, a financial planner, and they're doing the financial plan and the investment side. You cannot do both because something's going to suffer. Either the financial is going to suffer, and it's going to be a quick plan, or the investment's going to suffer, and that's why, and you're on a salary, it's a separate service, They get so much more with you as a financial planner than than I. I pretty much promise in other places because if they're again trying to do both, something's going to suffer. Yeah. So yeah. So. But, yeah, uh, I, would,
7: I would say probably probably both would suffer. And, again, a lot of people have the conception that financial planning is just plugging inputs into a, a software and then pressing you know, compute and seeing what the graph looks like. That's, that's really not what it is. Um, it, it's about understanding where you're at and what decisions we can make and how we can structure things to mm-hmm. avoid taxes, increase income, uh, those types of things.
2: But the problem, Harrison, is those graphs are just too darn pretty. You know, they look so nice. <laughs> well, you know, they've got some nice
7: green, some nice blue. But I'm colorblind, so
1: it doesn't matter to me. So. <laughs> uh, I'm colorblind as well, so yeah, it doesn't matter to me either. They, although I do see colors, but I can't tell what they are. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. So Harrison, give the phone number out for the for the firm, and and uh, they can call you because again, you do a free consultation. And I really encourage people. You know, you got a financial planner right now. You're kind of like, ah, oh, how is he? Come in, come in for a comparison, kick the tires, shop around a little bit because they're going to be shocked on the difference of what they're not getting with their financial planner.
2: And the first consultation is yeah. free as well. So. Yeah, yeah.
7: Yeah, it's, it's free, no obligation. We're not pushy. We're not trying to sell anything. It's just, hey, here's your situation. Here are some things that you should probably be aware of, and this is how we would go about fixing those. If you're interested, great. If not, that's fine, too. But that number is 858-546-4306.
1: All righty. Well, and thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you Monday morning.
7: Also, if you want right, to get a hold of Harrison as well,
2: uh, sorry to cut you off there, Harrison, but uh, have a good weekend. Is, uh, you can also go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. We do have a website submission form that you can fill out. Says, hey, I heard you guys talking about that financial planner of yours, uh, and we'll get back to you and, and uh, we can set up a time to speak with Harrison.
1: Yep. All and, and, and oh shoot, I forgot what I was gonna say i going i am I don't know yeah, you I, know, it, yeah.
2: it happens no, to it happens.
1: you know, and I thought it happens to me my, sometimes, yeah, too. and that's what I was gonna say because I think it's because of my age but no, it's not my age, I mean, it happens when you're younger as well, you just got so many things going on in your brain that you know something comes in and something goes out, but um anyways, phone numbers here eight six six five seven seven two four seven three that's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three.
2: You got Facebook or what, what do we got here?
1: Um, well, we I just had when I pulled everything up, it was I think Frank wanted to talk about Canadian Pacific Railroad, but he's gone. Um, I got it pulled up. Do you have a pull? You probably don't.
2: No, I, we can do that though for Frank.
1: Oh, yep, yeah, there there it is. Okay, and 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 uh, okay. So yeah, you know let's do it for Frank. He probably just uh, thought we weren't going to go to him. So uh, Canadian Pacific Railroad. Uh, and again, we can't do the comparisons as we normally do. but We can still look at the fundamentals of it.
2: And the ticker symbol for that is
1: CP. Canadian Pacific, yep. Yeah, you need that to put it in there. Okay. Um, see, PE ratio, again, on the high side, 25.6. We do see price of sales 7.5. That also sounds high. Price of tangible book buck value looks okay at 8. And price of cash flow, 18.9. So I'm okay with that. They do pay a small dividend of 0.88, and they use 20% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, their sales year over year were only up 0.5%. I say only because I just read something about Union Pacific Railroad, and I believe they had a pretty good year. So, and this is Canadian Pacific. Uh, I don't believe they come down the U.S., I think it's all Canadian railroads.
2: Yeah, I know you got like in the, like kind of Virginia area, you got Norfolk Southern, you have the. Burlington like,
1: Northern, I think. Is yeah, the, yeah, is that
2: the yeah. uh, Berkshire
1: one? Berkshire one, yeah.
2: And then also you have, uh, gosh, it's like Kansas. There's one in
1: Kansas. Kansas, yeah, yeah, there's one. Yeah, so this one I believe, and again, you'd have to do more research on but I believe this is all in, in Canada. Uh, now, now their earnings were up 1.96%. Look at the balance sheet. we got a current ratio of 0.6, a little bit worrisome there. Uh, debt to equity, 129. That's, a, again, about the top of our limits that we'll accept. Return on equity, though, is very good, 31.2. We do see net profit margin, very good, 297 And they do have a seal turnover of 9.7 and inventory turnover of 4.9. Do they have any earnings there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I look here. It is in Canadian dollars. I I don't know the exact exchange rate right now for the US dollar compared to the Canadian dollar, but uh, it is 431.71 Canadian dollars. Uh, 52 week high is 482.74 Canadian dollars. And the 52 week low, 252 Canadian dollars. So, uh, it looks like the stock's done quite well. Uh, I go out to December 2021. I do see estimated earnings per share of $20.26. That would give us a target sell price of $328.21, so about $100 below the current price. Um, you know, As I said, the stock's done well. I don't know if now's the time to get into it. I also don't know much about freight movement in Canada, so right. uh, that, that would be a, a key factor to understand. this is a company you're considering.
1: And actually, uh, Brendan pulled up for us that one Canadian dollar equals .78 American dollars. So that's the exchange rate. And um, uh, I think it's always been around that level. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think
2: that our currencies fluctuate that much with, like, Canada. Right. Uh, So – I don't
1: know. But, but I remember being a kid and getting a, a Canadian quarter. My dad say, oh, that's not worth uh, 25 cents. Well, it says it is. <laughs> a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't exchange exchange rates yeah. back when I was like uh, 15 years old. So, all right. Should we go to Facebook? Let's do a Facebook one. Yeah, I was
2: going to say, too, just real quick on exchange rates. This is one reason we don't like to buy on other exchanges. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, while I do believe the Canadian and U.S. dollar, they they don't fluctuate as much as other currencies, you still take on that risk. So you could buy, let's say, this company. It goes down. But then also the exchange rate has problems as well. Now you're... Losses compound even further. Yeah. So, we don't like to play in the currency realm and also the investment realm. In fact, we don't even like to play in the currency realm. So at <laughs> all. No, no. Be
1: very careful. Right. Because okay, you can't figure it out. I mean, it's just uh, you, you're playing a guessing game there and it can move against you. So. Yeah.
2: All right. So, uh, going to Facebook, it looks like we have a few minutes here before a break. Uh, Robert says he owns HPQ since May. Uh, still appears undervalued. Uh, can you please take a look at it?
1: All righty. Uh, so how long does he hold it since May? Since you know? May. Okay, so. yeah, let's pull it up. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was going to put that in ahead of time. I thought if I do that, Chase is not going to go to HBQ. He's going to trick me and go somewhere else. So, <laughs> But let's take a look at uh, HBQ, which is HP Incorporated. Uh, good start here. P.E. ratio 12.6 versus 29 for the industry. Price of sales also looking good, 0.58 versus 0.7. No price of book value, same as the industry, but price of cash flow checks in at 9 just slightly ahead of the industry at 8.4. Now, we do see a decent dividend, 3.1%. They used 35% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, that compares to the industry use of 42% about the dividend, half that rate. Their sales did slip uh, 3.6% year over year. Uh, Let me look at these numbers, and these are through October, their fiscal year. So through October, uh, their sales are down 3.6. The industry is down about 0.6. Earnings per share also fell year over year for the last 12 months, down a half percent, but the industry was down 34 percent. So, good job for HP there. Uh, Looking at the balance sheet, current ratio 0.8 versus 0.9, that's okay. Uh, but debt to equity is not material versus 224. So, I think they have either no equity or the debt exceeds something. So, you got to really look at that balance sheet closely to find out how strong this company is and can they weather a storm going forward. Return on equity, nothing there. Again, makes me suspicious that maybe there is no equity. Return, uh, or, I'm sorry, net profit margin is five, double the industry at two and a half. Receivable turnover, 9.9 versus 5.8, so that is good. And inventory turnover looking pretty good as well, 7.9, about the same as the industry at eight. What do we got for the earnings going forward?
2: Yeah, so a current price here for HP Inc., $25.27, 52-week high, $26.15, and it's it's done well off the low of $12.54. I go out to October 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of two dollars and ninety eight cents would give us a very nice target sell price here of forty eight dollars and twenty eight cents. So I, I like that. Uh, you said the balance sheet. How did that look again?
1: Uh, you, you know, what, let me let me see if I can look at the balance sheet real quick because I I, I don't think they have equity. Do you, you know? Uh, and I know they kind of split. Is this the printer uh, side? I, I know they kind of split. You look at they the have... balance sheet, and
2: I'll look at. The, okay, the, well,
1: the let's goes. do that. Yeah, because um.
2: Yeah, because I, uh, I, yeah, I know you're right. It's like, well, if it's a printer company, I don't know where that growth's coming from. But then I know they also have, like, the, the services. Okay. So this is actually the computer hardware company. It, it provides per- personal computing and other access devices, imaging and printing products, and related technology solutions and services in the United States and internationally. So... Uh, this is not the cloud. I think that's HPE. Is, okay. is right. the other one. Right. So, so I'm kind of surprised that that their earnings are are doing that well to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And
1: the balance sheet is ugly. Uh you got a negative equity of 2.2 2 billion. Uh their debt has increased uh from last year 5.1 billion to 6.2 billion going the wrong direction. So I well, I like the other things on this. Uh, this balance sheet is, is worrying.
2: Me. And I, I do think this could have been an at-home play where people are getting those home offices. Yeah. They need the computer equipment. They need the printers at home. Is that going to last? I don't know. So, yeah. I, And I'd also be curious on do they service more businesses or consumers? If yeah. A, it's something that you got to understand here, but with that ugly balance sheet, I, it's not worth our time.
1: Yeah. Could do something on the short term, but long term, I think this company will one day be gone. Yeah. So. All righty. Well, I know I just got the message that uh, we're just about done with the first hour. Uh, we do have phone lines open. We do see Anthony in San Diego. Stay with us. We'll, we'll get to you first hour of the break. Uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You want to join the Smart Investing Show for the second half. You'll be next up. Give us a call. Stay with us. we we'll are back in just a couple minutes. All righty. Welcome back to the second half. I I put my jacket on, got kind of cool in here. We got to keep that equipment cool. Uh, And I was like freezing without my jacket on, but I want to wait till the break. And then also, too, I changed headsets much, much better now I can hear. I was only hearing half the conversation. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Only yeah. one ear. Only one ear. <laughs> I had that
2: headset last week and it was uh, messing with me as well. Yeah, we, we got
1: some good ones here. Brendan, oh, he, he just picked up a call, but uh, then you get rid of the bad ones so we don't put them on because like, then you got to wait, you know, I, I, I suppose. And then we had the computer issues. Let's hope there's no computer issues the second time. So, uh, second and a half, I mean. Uh, phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Should we go back to the calls now? You want to do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with okay, whatever. We've got I, a
2: few more questions on Facebook, but let's take some callers. Yeah.
1: Oh, you know what? It is actually time for the real estate segment. I, I guess, you know, uh, Anthony, if you can hold with us a little bit longer. Uh, I did see David Suter there, so I want to talk real estate. So let's go ahead and take that now. Uh, David, you, you're here with us. Hey, good morning, Brent. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, because I, I know we're taking a little bit early today, but I wanted to kind of get to you because I know you got some great information here for us uh, on the real estate side.
0: Absolutely, Brent. I wanted to, um, I actually wanted to review kind of what happened in 2020 and then make some uh, either predictions or anticipations for what's going to happen in the market this year. Um, basically, the, 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 it, a little boring statistics, but this will be for all San Diego County. The median sales price of all property types rose from 574000 to six hundred and fifty thousand, and that's a thirteen point one percent increase. Third largest in the nation, actually. So San Diego's really doing well that way. Uh, the detached homes rose from six fifty five to seven hundred and forty six thousand. Wow. <clears throat> but I think more important, you know, more more important or just as important as the low inventory. Back in like the middle of two thousand nineteen, we had a five and a half month supply of detached homes on the market, and that's about normal. But by December of that year it dropped to one point a one point eight month supply and this December a point eight month supply. Wow. Is that in so San Diego,
2: David? Sorry to cut you off. Is that in San Diego? Yeah. Wow.
0: That's it's crazy. Of San Diego 8, County, yeah. Uh it's incredible the, 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 the change. So basically if you look at the number, uh in in the middle of two thousand nineteen we had over ten thousand active listings. In December Past just this December, we had 1,600 houses available from down from over 10,000. Wow. Um, so, um, g- going on to interest rates, they declined um, from 2.79 last week to 2.77 that it was about three weeks ago, still up a little bit from the record low of 2.65. Um, and I, I think both, I think we're going to see both inventory and interest rates start to rise this year. Um, the long-term bond yields usually influence these mortgage rates, and they've been climbing, um, as investors expect, higher U.S. government spending on pandemic relief and economy recover um, as more people get vaccinated. Um, I think that, you know, I checked it the yield on the 10-year Treasury note hit 1.15% last week, mm-hmm. and that's up from less than 0.9% at the start of the year. And the highest since last March. So that's that's going up. Um, And I think because of that, also, the the National Association of Realtors is predicting that interest rates will rise to about three point two percent this year.
1: And and that's on the mortgage rate, not the 10 year.
0: Yeah. Right, right. right. right that's yeah. the mortgage rate. As, um, and, and that's going to increase the payment about $230 on a million dollar home with a standard 20% down. Not insane, but definitely um, we're going to see that start to arise and affect and, and that could perhaps, home prices.
1: That could actually kick some people out that can't qualify. I mean, $230 isn't a lot, but it could be, you know, right now that's enough to kick a few people out uh, not to qualify.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, and with the prices being so high, and if they keep rising, I mean, I think this is going to, ha- I think we're still going to see prices rise, but I think it's going to start to slow down significantly.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because also, we have inventory is going to start coming on. There's a couple reasons for that. The one is just the normal seasonal variation. I mean, inventory always drops around the holidays, and then um, it starts to gradually increase as people start to, you know, begin their plans to move in that new year. So we're going to see just more homes come on. But I think the second reason is the COVID vaccine. You know, um, a widely held belief is uh, many homeowners have been reluctant to sell during the pandemic. Everyone kind of froze in place. So as more people get vaccines and we start returning to normal, I think we're going to see people who have been holding off. They're going to start to resume their pre-COVID plans to sell their homes. So that's going to increase inventory. Yeah. Um, hopefully. I mean, really, because there's a lot of buyers out there, and um, we kind of need the inventory. but basically, the takeaway for the listeners is if they want if they ever wanted to sell right now it's clearly going to be one of the best times to do so. Um, the market will definitely continue to be robust this year, but right now, sellers are in the best position really ever to sell for the highest prices. Because of this low inventory and lowest interest rate, you know, the low interest rates we've had.
1: Right. And, and, and David, I got so many questions for you, and we don't have time for them. But I mean, one thing that I was kind of thinking about, and I don't expect to have the answer, but maybe next week you can. But we had someone call into our office, and they sold their house in one day. And I was thinking for you, you charge only 1% commission. That person made at least a 2% commission. I mean, some of these realtors are just making ten thousand dollars an hour I'm thinking, yeah. a i mean it's just ludicrous that people are paying two percent to sell their house in one day or perhaps three percent uh for one day sale well what's going on with that
0: indeed you know um right now as a listing agent i've never had it easier <laughs> the of, you know i mean we we get the product that you know we get the market out there get it on the mls but there there's clamoring there's multiple offers um there's bid-ups um, you know, we still have the normal routine paperwork to do, but but as far as actually getting the house under contract, very easy right now. And to pay, you know, you add my, you know, the listing agent and the buyer's agent, you know, you can usually get up to five six percent. We can cut that about in half, um, and and you know, save serious, you know, ten twenty thirty thousand dollars on a sale, and you know, still give the client all the stuff they're going to need <laughs> yeah well uh david i do want to give out your phone number and so forth but I, I a
1: couple questions for next week uh one i was wondering if you'd know or can find out like how many new homes are coming to the market in san diego i know there's a development off of 15 and then also too i'm kind of curious how many homes now in san diego percentage wise are selling over a million dollars because i think you said the median is what 750 so i think there's a lot of million dollar homes out there is what i'm thinking Indeed. Yep. So how do people get a hold of you, David? Because, again, I've had a lot of people say, wow, that guy, David Suter, he's very smart. I want him for my realtor. How do they get a hold of you to sell their house at only 1%, no tricks, no hidden, hidden smoke and mirrors there? <laughs>
0: uh, it's 858-564-8531. Um, 858-564-8531 is our office number. Great. Well,
1: I know Saturday you're busy there, so I'll let you go. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Thanks, Brent. Have a good week. Bye-bye. All right, again, is that that is my realtor. I, he sold my house for 1%. Did a great job. So, again, I do highly recommend him. I actually used the service. That's why I'm sharing with you my good fortune. Uh, you can't uh, forgot the phone number. Uh, contact our office. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office. Ask for me, uh, 858-546-4306. Again, that's 858 858- five, four, six, four, three Oh six. And, uh, I'll give you this number. I'll pass it on for you. Do you have something chase?
2: Uh, just kind of a comment here on Facebook, just real quick. It it was about housing. So it's, uh, you know, it says it's great. You can sell a house so quickly and it's the best time to sell, but doesn't that also mean you need to buy a new house. So it basically even out. It's not necessarily a lot of people have a negative connotation with renting and uh, you know, I know this is one of our listeners that doesn't live in San Diego, but here in San Diego, I mean, I think the real estate market is just crazy. I wouldn't buy a new house right now. I would sell it and right. rent for a year and kind of see where things land. And you know, it, it's like, oh, you might have to break a lease, but you break a lease for a couple of thousand home prices could fall yeah. Yeah. tens of thousands of dollars right. here very, very easily. So a lot of people feel like they need to buy that home. We always say it's like, it doesn't always make sense. And people say, oh, so it's always makes sense to rent. No, not necessarily. (laughs) you (laughs) got to look at the numbers of buying versus renting, and it's going to be different in different cases. Here in San Diego, though, I just get very worried about buying at this time.
1: And and the other thing, too, is that when you look at renting, again, I rented. I sold my house. I invested that money. I realized the other day that that house that I sold, it would have to increase, from when I sold it, 20% to make up the difference of the gain that I've made on investing the money. But also, too, I realized that the cost of my homeowner's insurance is one tenth renting so versus what it was if I bought that same home. Yeah. So, another thing we, t- we save about when we talk about the maintenance and so forth. So, and again, I feel that it's getting close to top. I could be wrong, maybe houses in San Diego from a mean of 750 up to a million dollars. I, I wish I would have stayed, but I don't see that happening because of wages and also to a higher Right to rent ratios. To rent.
2: Yeah, people complain about rent control, and yeah, you can't raise rents. I can tell you that. Price of homes aren't going to, shouldn't go up yep. much more because yep. then your price to rent ratio is out of whack. So it's all crazy.
1: But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I look at too, it's like, okay, if things change or whatever. Uh, the cost to move is somewhere between five to maybe $10,000. Well, somebody's going to raise their rent by that amount. Okay. I'm, I might move. So, yeah. but uh, I just think it was a, a great thing. And somebody probably agrees or disagrees with me, but do the numbers. That's what we do. So, all righty. As promised, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Anthony. Anthony, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you?
8: hey guys uh, i'm a first time caller a uh, long time investor um uh with an investment club uh here locally and also just really uh fan of the show so it's the first time i've gotten up uh the bravery to make a call and um it's a nice segue uh the the company I'm calling about is uh realty income core uh stock symbol o and you know I've held it in my my personal portfolio for a while and you know with the pandemic it's taken a haircut so really my question is um with the the environment uh the way it is the current conditions you know the pandemic is it worth just holding on to it is it or, or continuing to accumulate more uh because it is a good defensive stock it's very high dividend yield um so i'm interested in your your, your thoughts on that given you know the recent analyst you just had on the air okay uh and forecasting the market
1: Okay. And a great job, by the way. I mean, you sound like you've been uh, on the radio for many years, so you're doing a great job. Um, and we do want to kind of mention that we used to, and I'm hoping COVID is going to turn around and be gone, so to speak, because of vaccines and so forth. We used to go out and speak to investment clubs. So maybe in the summertime, oh, if you want myself or Chase to come out, we'll speak. We'll answer questions for people. But, but we used to do a lot of speaking out in public. Uh, that's been kind of gone. We've done a few uh, on, on Zoom. We would
8: love to have you. Our our pro- club's portfolio is, uh, has gone crazy uh, in a good way. Uh, and, you know, obviously, like much of the market has in the last uh, yep. couple months, especially. But um, it's, uh, it's it, you know, we started the club for educational purposes so that we, as, as individuals, can learn about and, and take steps into, um, you know, stock investing. And uh, it's just been wonderful. So we're a little over 20 years in uh, existence. and Wow. Um,
1: just all local folks. Yeah, and I, I think investment yes, clubs are kind of fun. They're fun, they're informative. Um, sometimes we come out, and people say, Well, you're not agreeing with us. Well, we're not here to agree with you. We're here to educate you. Yeah. So, so, but exactly. um, all right, so let's take a look at Realty Income Corporation. Symbol is O, as in Oprah. <laughs> I can't think of her O. Uh, we do see a high PE ratio here 49.5 versus not material for the industry. Price of sale is also high, 13.7 versus 2.4. Price to book value, 2.5. That is slightly above the industry at 1.7. And price of cash flow, 21 versus 34. Now, you're correct. They pay a nice dividend of 4.7%. It does show they use 232% of their earnings to pay that out. Again, this is a REIT, so it's a little bit different. But still, that is high, on the high side, obviously. Uh, we, we always wonder, how can you do that if your earnings are you know, not there? You know, you, you, you're borrowing money to do that. We do say sales are up thirteen and a half percent year over year. That's better than the industry down twelve point nine. Earnings per share, they fell by five percent when the industry was down two hundred and thirty one percent. Look at the balance sheet, no current ratio, but I like this on a read total debt to equity is only eighty point six, well below the industry average of two hundred and eighty eight. So I like low debt reads because they don't have to pay that debt off. And when rates rise, they can't get hurt. Return on equity four. Can you repeat that ratio? Sure. Uh, it's a 8.6 uh, I'm sorry 80 point6 and mm-hmm. that and that compares to the industry at 288 and again you like that low debt to equity because it means they have less debt to pay interest on that can sometimes kill a company Got with, it. with higher rates coming up uh, return on equity is 4.1 versus a negative 4.2 so that is a positive net profit margin 25 versus 7.2. And then also we see receivable turnover seven point seven versus six point one, and also important. Chase is going to give the uh, funds from operations. Uh, and did you get a chance to see what type of REIT this is, Chase?
2: Yeah, and I, I was going to say i um, kind of give it a little bit away, but the target sell price is lower. I'll, I'll get into that. Okay. But A uh, little disappointed because I, I drive by this building all the time. It, it's right in Del Mar, is where Realty Income is. I always oh. see them. Um, so I'll drive at, by one of their buildings on the way home actually today. And so. say you guys
1: are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
2: I. I they do, let's see, they have, let's see, the company is structured as a REIT, and it pays monthly dividends. I know we had a question on Facebook the other week about companies that pay monthly dividends. Well, here's one here's that one. pays a monthly dividend. Uh, they're supported by cash from, from over 6,500 real estate properties uh, owned under long-term lease agreements with uh, commercial tenants. It says they're in the retail space. Uh, I'm not sure what type of product properties that they're leasing to retailers are they kind of they they, strip malls. i know they're not mall based are they strip malls or they kind of i don't know something else in retail but i would want to know who they're leasing their their buildings to uh if it was something i was looking at buying but looking at the numbers here for realty income current price is $59.84 52 week high as you said it's taking a little bit of a haircut here as it was $84.92 52 week low well that's $38 a share Now, as Brent said, we look at FFO or funds from operations when you look at REITs just because of depreciation, other non-cash expenses that a lot of these real estate companies have that's not really going to hurt their ability to pay dividends to build the business. So looking at FFO for 2021, it's $3.44. Unfortunately, it gives a target sell price right around the current level as it's $55.73. And I'm a little surprised by this because it's not like their FFO have actually taken much of a hit. I mean, I go back to 2018, their FFO was $3.12. 2019, $3.29. <laughs> 2020, it's estimated to finish the year at $3.32. And then 2021, it's estimated to go up again to three forty four. So they're still growing that FFO. Um, but I, I think it was just too expensive when it was at $84, $85 yeah. a share. And some of that value made it come out. As REITs generally don't do well with rising interest rates, that may have spooked things. Just kind of speculating on some things here, Anthony.
1: And Chase, what was the target sell price again?
2: Fifty-five seventy-three.
1: Oh, so well over the price. Okay, yeah. So.
2: And the current price is fifty-nine eighty-four.
1: <clears throat> okay, so. so
2: And it could go a little higher, but I mean, it, right. it looks to be about fairly priced here. Um, and as I said before, I think it was just way, way too expensive. Fascinating.
8: So it's kind of confirming I, I had this feeling of you know maybe it's just time to cut cut and run on this one and um, it's, it's, it's just in hearing your analysis it kind of kind of confirms some of the thoughts I, I'd had. Um, gentlemen the, the other uh, um, stock I was calling about and I know you've talked about it in the past but I have to share the story with uh, from our investment club we did buy Tesla in August and since August since our purchase as a club it uh has almost doubled already so it's had like 90 percent growth um, since our, our initial um, investment in august i i did want to get your input you know we had a very lively debate because of it's just extremely high um p e ratio and so you know it was kind of a split vote and ultimately as a majority uh, we, we went ahead and purchased it so now our question is: Do we go ahead and just sell our initial <laughs> investment and let let our winnings ride? You know, um, and and I'm I'm really uh, grateful to have this opportunity to hear from you guys, and uh, um, I'll take your answer. Uh, yeah, okay.
1: And, and actually, congratulations, first of all, on the gain. Uh, I always tell people that: Congratulations, we would have never bought it. Uh, we'll never buy it. Uh, well, I shouldn't say never. It comes down more reasonable. <laughs> but now you have the difficulty because it you, you bought it overvalued, well, how much overvalued can it go? And and that's the question you have. And you could sell it with your 100% gain and then, doggone it, you know, six months later, it doubled again. Or what could happen is that you sell with with 100% gain and six months from now, it dropped by 30 40%. So um, it is speculation. Uh, there is no way to value what it's going to go to here. I think, Chase, you have a comment as well? Yeah,
2: I was going to say in the, the office today, we're, we're kind of talking. It. It's very interesting when you, you get these big winners, like, like you've had with Tesla is you think, and uh, you know I'm not going to say that you, but you know your club, club, a lot of people in there probably think that I will know when to get out. <laughs> That's just generally that overconfidence that people have when they've done well with a particular stock. And we always mm-hmm. tell people, go back to the tech boom, and we talked about history earlier in the show. You look at all those high-flying companies, and you talk about the Cisco's, the Intel's, the Microsoft's. we talked about them many, many times. And I, I would say to people, do you think those people, when those companies were at the peaks, thought that it was going to crash 90%? No, there's no way. Otherwise, they would have sold. And then that, that's the problem is you get this overconfidence of saying, well, it's done so well. There's no way it's going to tank 90% and I'll know when to get out. But the problem is you, you don't when you don't really have a true value on the company. If you don't have a target sell price on Tesla, let's say, as a club, that that makes fundamental sense. It's like, well, I think it could go to 1000 just because it's a cool car company. Well, that's not a, a very good reason to have that target sell price. If you guys come up with a target sell price, maybe that makes sense to you as a club. But I, I would definitely say you need to have an exit strategy with this company because it's, it's overpriced in, in every measure you look at. There's no way you can... Look at Tesla and say, it's underpriced in this metric. So I I would recommend that.
1: And the other problem, too, is that, okay, you make the sale. Now you got the profit. How do you reinvest a profit? Do you try to do, like, the same thing and you invest in another car, electric car company? I can't think of any other crazy names. But you do that, and then you lose all the gains. So you got to kind of look like, hey, we gambled. We did pretty well. Uh, And what is your uh, investment club philosophy? Maybe you guys want to be very aggressive. Maybe you want to be growth investors. Or you're really concerned about keeping the principal and trying to have decent growth. So you got a How many people are in the club, Anthony?
8: Uh, we have about 12 active members, and we, we're growth value uh, okay. club. And so we do take a few flyers like this, um, but you know we also have some some uh, defensive holdings, and so kind of kind of our uh, mini mutual fund, if you will. Okay. Um, we ha- we're definitely a buy and hold club. We were longtime shareholders of. Uh, Apple and Google, and um, same thing, we took out our profits initially, and it's just continued, you know, to be honest, it's carried carried our portfolio. Um, um, several of our, our holdings, uh, uh, three or four of them, uh, we end up having to trim a little bit because they become overweighted in the, in the portfolio above right. the 15% guidelines that we right. have.
1: Yeah, and it's very important as a club, it's hard with 12 members, uh, you're not all gonna agree on the same thing. Uh, like at our mm-hmm. office, I make the final decision, <laughs> uh, my, I'm the I'm dictator. Like, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, but in a club, you can't do that. And you might have some guys that again, like, gosh, I hate that we bought you know Tesla, and other guys will see I was right, and so forth. So, but but that's a fun part of being a club is that you have a lot of controversy to discuss, and it makes it interesting and also a learning thing for you. So uh,
8: it's it's a it's a great deal of fun because yeah. we just we we get into the the fundamentals as you discuss, and we get into well, you know, forecasting will. Uh, electric vehicles, you know, take over mm-hmm. the market? And if so, how far is it? You know, two years down the road, yeah. five years down the road. You know, are we in on the next uh, Amazon, so to speak? Or uh, is it a bus going to be a bus like uh, Cisco? So it's, it's it's you know, we love it. That's why we're in the club.
1: Um, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> well, we did as well, but I, I, I do have to let you go happy. because I, we got a mm-hmm. call I was holding here. Uh, and again, we'd love to come and speak to you. Hopefully May... Yeah, <laughs> so you know, yeah, uh, and be part of it, and and uh, that that'd be great. So Anthony, don't don't be a stranger to the show, and uh, we'll talk with you soon.
8: Much appreciated, guys. Have a great
1: day. You too. Bye bye.
2: Uh, just one comment I wanted to make to kind sure. of Anthony and other listeners that that I think is just so important. You talk about Tesla, and uh, again, the thing that we do every single week is we set a target sell price for every business in the portfolio. Yep. And the problem is if you don't know the value of where you're going to sell something, you get into this problem where you're thinking, "Well, it's done well. I think it's going to go higher." will you think? Or what do yeah. you think it's going to go to? Because then it starts to fall. You don't have that valuation on the company. It was like, well, now do I wait till it gets back to the high or do I, you know, take my profits here? It becomes a guessing game. And that's where setting that target sell price every single week really moves the removes the emotional side of investing. We stick to the numbers. We stick to our valuations rather than saying, what has the stock price done? That's yeah. where you get yourself into
1: trouble. Exactly. And it's, it's very hard. I mean, and again, you, and we also realize that uh, we're not going to be right all the time. We're going to sell some things early. Uh, that's going to happen. But we, we sold it for a reason, and we can move on. And as I said, important to what are you going to do with that money? What are you going to buy? So, yeah. All right. Phone number is 866-577-2473, 866-577-2473. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Helen. Helen, you are on the Smart Investing Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you?
9: Hello. Um, I'm. We are the exact opposite of your last caller. Okay. Um, my daughter and I just kind of buy a stock based on, ooh, we like that product. <laughs> oh. so, <laughs> no analysis at all. So this is the first time actually asking for analysis. Company is BD, um, interested in it, met uh, some employees there that were just very excited about their company. They are in the rapid uh, testing business. Mm-hmm. W- wondering if we should buy it or not.
1: All right. Well, let's take a look at Dixon and Company, uh, symbol BDX. Uh, not a great start here, Helen, because the PE ratio is 94.8. Even the high <laughs> industry of 51, they've doubled <laughs> that. So that's very expensive. But on the other side, I look at the price of sales, 4.4 versus 8.5. So that is good. Uh, neither the company nor the industry has a price-to-book value because their assets are exceeded by their liabilities. Uh, we do see current uh, price-to-cash flow, 25.8. That is good because the industry is at 39. Now, they do pay a small dividend of 1.3%, but they're using 116% of their earnings to pay that out. Something there has to give. Either the the earnings have to increase or the dividend will have to be cut. Sales year over year disappointing here, down one percent year over year. The industry was actually up seven point nine percent. Same thing with the earnings; earnings fell by twenty seven percent, but yet the the industry was up six and a half percent. So you got to ask yourself, why are their sales and earnings falling, but yet the industry is doing better? That could be a problem. The balance sheet actually looks okay. I'm kind of surprised by that because I do see a current ratio of one point five versus two point five. That is okay. Debt to equity seventy five. Versus 50. So that's okay with that debt to equity there. Return on equity, not very good, 3.4 versus 14 for the industry. Net profit margin, 5.1. That's a third of the industry at 16. So I'd like to see a better profit margin or like more on their sales uh, and gets to the bottom line. And then we do see we see a of 7.2 versus 5.4. That's positive. Inventory turnover, positive as well, 3.6 versus 2.8. Chase, very excited to see what this company has for earnings going forward because I think so far, Helen, you're probably disappointed with what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I did want to say yes.
2: that. The company is, uh It's interesting. I mean, they, they manufacture and sell medical supplies, devices, laboratory equipment, diagnostic products. So they, they do a bunch of different things here. I mean, they, they do IVs. They do catheters. They do needles. They do pens. Uh, they have, let's see – Uh, there's just a lot here. They offer hernia and soft tissue repair. I mean, they do a lot of different things. I would want to understand more about what each segment really does. They also do like specimen and blood collection. So they they really run the gamut here in terms of what they're doing in the the bioscience types field. Now, looking at the numbers here, uh, current price is $258.75. 52-week high is $286.72. And 52-week low is $197.75. So, Pretty close to the middle, a little bit closer to the higher end of it. But I go out to September 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $13.40. Would give us a target sell price of $217.08. I will say it's not as expensive as I thought it was going to be, (laughs) but it's still overpriced. Uh, It wouldn't be considered what we say is a value company, which is what we like to invest in.
1: It it was a growth on the uh, earnings again on the stock price. How much was it, percentage-wise?
2: Oh, the, the... Current price is higher than the target.
1: Oh, okay, I missed that. Okay, so so yeah, so so uh, unfortunately, Helen, that means that Chase is saying the same thing that we don't like the company; it's too expensive. And and but doesn't... be
9: friends with the employees.
2: I'm right, sure that,
1: they sound yeah, great. That, that's fine. <laughs> and,
9: and... No. Not friends, just someone <laughs> happened to meet somewhere and they were very excited. Oh, okay. <laughs> so
1: well, and, so and it's again,
9: a little different when you actually
1: analyze these stocks before you buy them. <laughs> yeah, and the thing too, Helen, it, is, it doesn't mean this stock will not go higher. What it means is that it, it, there could be momentum behind it or something, but it means, and, and again, you know, we manage money for like $400 million for individual people. We don't like them to lose money. We don't want them to lose money, so we're very cautious. Uh, they don't want to gamble. And the thing that you're doing here is that this stock could go much higher or it could say, wait a minute. You know, and we also do believe there's a correction coming. Uh, can't tell you when. Can't tell you how deep it's going to be. But this is the type of company that could get hurt very badly with a correction. And, again, it may not come till September. But you got to realize the risk you're taking on this business. And they might have great employees and very friendly. And, and it's always funny. People that work for the company, they always feel it's great because they go in that door every day. They have that, that feeling that this is a great business. This is going on but they don't step back with the CFO and analyze, how we really do So Be careful. Yeah.
9: Well, that's why they're working there is because they're happy there. <laughs> exactly. We, we have other ones we're looking at, too, so perhaps we will go look at those instead.
1: There we go. <laughs> have a good day. You too, Helen. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All righty. Great conversation. we have some great conversations today, aren't we?
9: Yeah,
2: having lots of fun out here. Yeah, I know.
1: And, and you know, I can't – what? We only got like 30 minutes left on the show. Yeah. Gosh, so I, I guess if you want to call in, you better get get to it because uh, we only got 30 minutes left. Phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's turn to Facebook. Who do you want to go to Facebook on?
2: Uh, You know, kind <laughs> of opposite of. Kind of the, the biotech, the Teslas of the world. I think General Mills will be the interesting company to look at here. It is one that. Uh, Which
1: I don't see General Mills. What is their symbol? G.I.S.? Oh, I didn't. I, you know, for some reason, I, I, I was thinking it's Goldman Sachs, but that's G.S. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of funny. I can't remember all, all these uh, here. So, General, you said it's General Mills?
2: General Mills, G.I.S. Yeah. Don't
1: you think there'd be like an M in there somewhere?
2: I, I guess, but GM's got GM locked down.
1: That's true. That's true. So, uh, and and I think that we might like General Mills because it's a food company. But we're going to check the numbers here and let you know. And, and that uh, so let's see. General Mills Incorporated symbol is GIS. Good start here. PE ratio is fourteen point four versus twenty four point four. Price of sales one point nine. That is above the industry at one point three six. Price to tangible book value, not material for the company and the industry. A lot of these food companies have bought a lot of businesses over the years and have a lot of goodwill on their balance sheet. We do see that the current the uh, current price uh, for cash flow is 11.8. That is better than the industry at 15.8. you got to love this dividend, 3.64%, and they only use half or 50% of the earnings to pay that nice, juicy dividend. We do see sales uh, were up 9% year over year, well above the industry at 1.7%. Uh, earnings per share climbed by 12.5%. I'm kind of stumbling here because the industry grew at 237%. That just sounds very strange for this type of industry, but could be some of the reason for it. Uh, unfortunately, the balance sheet not looking as good as I would like. we got a current ratio, 0.8, which is almost acceptable. Industry's at 1.3. But what I don't like is the debt to equity is 163 More than double the industry at 75 and over 120, 130. I really get kind of nervous here. Uh, Return to equity is very good 29.6 versus 10.4. Net profit margin is 12.6, double the industry at 5.6. And we do see receivable turnover 10.3, just under the industry at 12.4, and then inventory turnover 6.9 about the same as the industry at 6.3. What do you got for the earnings, chase?
2: I want to start here just with the uh, some of the names of the company. This is one thing I like about the food company. is always seeing what, what type of mm-hmm. products that they have and so forth. And, uh, you know, they have YoPlay, GoGurt, gurt uh, But the big thing that they do is cereal. That, that's what I think General Mills is really known for. I mean, they have the Cheerios. They have Cinnamon Toast Crunch. They have Cocoa Puffs, K- Cookie Crisp. I'm having a hard time saying that. Raisin <laughs> Nut Brand for for those that like that. Uh, I know you used to like. The weird stuff. I yeah, I
1: used to like that granola and stuff. But, yeah. but but I'm wondering as you're bringing that up, I don't eat cereal anymore. I don't either. I, I'm wondering if the demand for cereal is declining as people are not eating breakfast or they're going to Starbucks more. I um, could so tell I, you, I'm helping them. <laughs> oh, are you okay? okay. Yeah. <laughs> they also
2: have Lucky Charms as well. So yeah.
1: that's right. Yeah. So Brendan, he does eat the cereal. So, um, but but again, I I think I was going to invest in this company. I would want to take a look because it seems to be a big part of their business or they're kind of known for that what is a cereal uh, not inventory but a cereal industry, industry I mean, or demand yeah. for cereals is it increasing or decreasing because i i have a gut feeling it's not what it was before but um yeah i mean so
2: obviously we talk about the brands it brings me back to my childhood days just looking at some of those names but i can tell you i haven't had cookie crisp or anything like that. my mom <laughs> only would let me have them too sometimes it wasn't like i got it every week she's quite Stringent on the type of cereal you right. could eat. And remember I used to eat my
1: cereal <laughs> with chocolate milk? Yeah. Oh, I got green for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: but anyways, we'll talk about the numbers here as well. Current price for general males, fifty-five dollars and ninety-seven cents, fifty-two-week highs, sixty-six dollars and fourteen cents, and fifty-two-week is forty-six dollars and fifty-nine cents. I go out to May 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of three dollars and seventy-three cents unfortunately and give us a target sell price of just $60 and 43 cents. So it still has a little bit more room for growth yeah. here, <clears throat> but it's not something I'm excited about, especially if I want to know more about the cereal industry. How's that looking? You know, is there room for growth? Uh, I can't tell you the food company that we bought, there was a problem and they had a huge decline mm-hmm. in the stock price and they needed to turn some things around. So that's kind of where we're looking for growth. I'm not sure if general mills is having the same issues and there's anything that needs to be fixed. I think it, it's, just not It's not exciting. I know it's not an exciting company, but the story is not, not really there. Yeah, and the,
1: the other thing, too, I guess I was wondering what was percentage-wise, how much does a cereal business make up of, of General Mills? Because I, I have a feeling it's a big amount, uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have other things. And, and, and what we like when we buy a business is we like to find a business that has a problem that's fixable, and maybe it takes 6, 12, maybe 18 months to fix that problem. I mean, right now, General Mills doesn't have a major problem. But I think they have a longer-term problem of their – and, again, I could be wrong. Maybe cereal demand is up. Uh, Brendan, you got to eat more cereal, I guess, to help this company out. <laughs> I'll get to it. <laughs> and I do remember back in the 90s, and we're going way back here, but uh, Jerry Seinfeld, the show, he used to eat cereal like for dinner. Yeah. You know, but I think those days are gone. I've
2: been watching Seinfeld lately. And, uh, Isn't it good? Yeah, it's a good show. You guys have boxes of cereal and stuff, and you, you always see it in the show.
1: You're right. Right. So. Maybe that,
2: that was their advertising method back in the day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I was going to turn to the, the, the calls here, and I saw that we had Otoro, but he hung up. Um, I always like to have those conversations, kind of understand more of what they're doing. I mean, we, we can look at the company I didn't wanna, wanted to look at here. I think I put it in. And, you know, it's funny that the symbol he put in was TTM. And when I see that I immediately think of trailing twelve months. Yeah. But I know I know that's not what it is. Actually it's Tata Motors Limited. Ah. are they Korean? I thought they were or Indian. 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 Yeah. There we go. I, I I knew it was somewhere overseas. Uh let me take a look to see what we come up with and uh and they have been around for I think quite a while. And they they do have an
2: ADR as well. It's like yeah. it's not like they just trade on the Indian stock exchange. They they do have the uh
1: well unfortunately I can't pull up I can pull up the numbers, but I can't pull up the comparison. Um, but they've been around for a long time, but I don't know of any Tata cars. I don't know if they're called Tata cars in the US.
2: I don't believe I think they're just in like India.
1: emerging markets. I think
2: it's a very cheap car. Wow. Okay. Well I'm l- not sure I, I haven't looked at it closely, but I know uh, I've never seen a Tata Motors car and uh, I I remember one lady talked to me about it on the phone several years ago, and it was just kind of
1: a emerging market type car. Right, right, and so maybe so. Again, India, India has how many? Is it a billion people? They have. Oh, no. They have a lot of people. I think it's like eight hundred million or something crazy. I, I don't know. But they I know. do have some subsidiaries of uh, Jaguar and uh, Land Rover as well. No, no, no really? way. They, they have ja- Well, if they have yeah. Jaguar, I think they also maybe have Aston Martin. Unless those two split, they were. I remember together. Aston Martin went public. Oh, that's right. Aston Martin is public, so maybe they spun that off. But uh, so they they own Jaguar and Land Rover. Land Rover. That is a surprise to me. Wow.
2: And so. also, India's population is one point three seven billion Ooh, people. I was off on that number. Well, wow. for comparison, U.S. is three hundred twenty eight million. So that's a, it's a huge
1: they, amount of people. Huge market. But and I, I mean,
2: China's one hundred thirty nine, or excuse me, one point three nine eight. So
1: India's right on. China's heels. I, I always thought that China had so many more people than India, but it sounds like uh, either China. Well, China did do that. What one one child uh, limit or whatever, and, and India kind of uh, increased. And what, what are you? I'll
2: show you me? a graph here. It's kind of fun. You'll see oh, that. Yeah. You know, if for listeners, well, actually Google. show Facebook. I don't uh, think uh, they, uh, they uh, probably can't see too it too far away <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, yeah. But for for <laughs> listeners, go just Google how many people are in India, and, and you'll see a graph of China and India, and you'll see it kind of India's made some strides it's like a sleeping giant decade yeah. yeah they're the sleeping giants or the last so, two decades I last guess two I decades
1: say. okay well let's look at Tata Motors now that we did discuss what it is I'm again totally surprised that they have Land Rover and uh, Jaguar uh, unfortunately there's no PE ratio for Tata Motors oh and by the way their symbol is TTM uh, we do see price of sales 0.43 that's very inexpensive no price of tangible book value. And the price of cash flow is 16.5, which is a little bit on the high side. Uh, We do see their sales did decline by uh, 24.3% year over year. Earnings year over year, they did increase by 44%. So that's a nice trick they uh, pulled out there. You know, declining sales, but uh, earnings increase. Could be accounting things they're dealing with. Look at the balance sheet, uh, current ratio 0. 0.8, that's okay, but debt to equity not so good, 228. And you got to be careful in the car companies because sometimes when they do financing, it can throw off their, their debt level and you can't really tell the difference unless you dig deeper. So we'll say 220 is high, but do some research on it. Return on equity, a negative 33, don't like seeing that. Net profit margin also a negative 7.5, I'm not surprised, but we'd like to see that positive. Uh receivable turnover seventeen point eight and inventory turnover, three point five. And what do you got for the earnings, so, Chase? Oh uh,
2: well, it's kinda of curious. I know Brennan gave us the uh, other companies, but they, they do have a brand called Tata, which makes Tata. sense. So I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But I it seems pretty I like simple. That. T-A-T-A. Tata. Tata. <laughs> <laughs> but the current price here. For Tata Motors is, uh oh, I just changed
1: everything. That's not good. Uh oh, so now you, you
2: you wipe the screen
1: clean, and so now you have no information for us.
2: <laughs> uh, no, it, it's loading here. So the okay. current <laughs> price for Tata Motors is $19.57. It is right near its 52 week high of $20.14. And wow, its 52 week low, $3.92. I mean,
1: it's. I bet you that's probably March or April. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, yeah. it definitely bottomed and then reversed, and it's, it's done very, very well. A problem, though, I go to March 2022, I see estimated earnings per share. There are none. It's an estimated loss of $0.03, so I can't even get a target sell price. And the other problem is there's just one analyst following it, which is interesting because it's a $13 billion market cap company.
1: And the other thing, too, we, we talked about this early in the show about the currency. I don't know anything. I think it's the – is it the ruble? Yeah. A rubai? or rabbi? So, yeah. something. I
2: know China's like the Nibi. Nibi I, I don't know yeah. what the Indian currency is. But
1: but I don't know how that currency even moves. And if you're going to buy Tata Motors, um, you got to know that currency. And we don't like buying foreign currencies. Well, for the but
2: the, this is an ADR. Oh, that's right. I forgot you said it's an so ADR. So okay. you don't have to worry about okay, currency good. in that regard. That. But yeah. You know, important I, fact yeah, yeah they, it's they ruby, do a, it's called the ruby the ruby thank that's you right thank you Brandon. um the the big thing is you have to understand how much of their sales do come from india because if we have currency problems there you're going to have some issues with the uh, currency exchange and that's going to impact earnings
1: yep yep all righty phone number is 866-577-2473 that's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go up to Joe in Oceanside before he hangs up, and we got to do everything. I, I like talking with people. Joe, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you?
5: out? Hey guys, I, I don't hang up.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Would you hold for twenty minutes for us? That's a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: because I'm doing things while I'm you know waiting anyway. So there you go. No biggie. Um, yeah. Um, you know. Um, you know, it's it's funny listening to everybody talk. You know, I like to play devil's advocate, and you know, when listening to. and, uh, you know, people predicting interest rates going up like they've been doing for for years, and it's you know really hasn't. Um, just all the things, you know, And I'm not I'm the rocket scientist, but just it's just fun to listen to everybody and see what actually happens.
1: And you said you are a rocket scientist.
5: Uh, yeah, I could be. <laughs> in my own mind, in my own mind, I thought I was going to win the lottery yesterday too. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, you guys were. Um, you know, in all in just, you know, you guys are, you know, you know pumping the, the bank stocks. Uh, I think it was last weekend. And look, at they've been going down ever since, you know, and and, and <laughs> I'm sure they're good. So I thought I'd just bring up JPM, anyways. And, uh, and I don't even, I don't think you have to go over the numbers, but you can because I'm sure they'll be good as they usually are when you do them. So, yeah. but they have been going down and, um, you know, so I just want to get your take and uh, see what you think.
1: Sure, sure. So uh, we'll go over JP JPMorgan Chase. And, again, we've been talking about the banks for quite a while. And, uh, yeah, we kind of noticed that. And, uh, you know, they, they went down a little bit. But, again, we are investing for two, three, four, five years. We talked about the counting on banks and so forth. And, and we do believe there's more to come with them. So we'll kind of go the numbers and kind of justify why we say that. Uh, again, JPMorgan Chase, their symbol is JPM. Uh, their P.E. ratio is 15. That is below the industry at 20 Price to sales does look high, 3.4 versus 2.2. Price to book value, 1.8 versus 2.2. And price to cash flow is 18. That is above the industry at 13. Now, they they do pay a 2.7% dividend, only using 30% of their earnings to pay that out. I'm going to guess here probably about four or five months ago. That dividend was about 3.5%, I believe. Uh, We do see their sales are down 23% year-over-year, industry up 11.8, and earnings per share for J.P. Morgan, Chase fell by 17 when the industry was down 2.6. Now, it's a banking company, so the balance sheet is completely different. Uh, debt to equity is 194 versus 191. We do see return on their common equity is 11.3. That is above the industry at 10.3. Net profit margin, 24.4 versus 11.4. No receivable turnover, no inventory turnover. I'll let Chase go over the numbers, and we'll talk about a couple other things on how bank, uh, banks work.
2: Yeah, of course. So, uh current price for JP Morgan Chase is $133.79. Uh it did hit its recent 52-week high of $142.75 and then the 52-week low of $76.91. I go out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $11.33. That would give us a target sell price of $183.55. So, yes, it did go down last week, but uh, it has done very well over the last several months, and I think it it can do well going forward, especially when you pair a a decent dividend with it as well.
1: Right. And, and again, Joe, you you brought the fact about uh, people predicting interest rates rising and so forth. We do believe they will start rising. They have already. The low for the 10-year Treasury was 0.6. It's now about 1.1. Banks do well in a rising interest rate environment. Also, too, we look at the accounting of a lot of loans that they wrote off on the homes back in uh, the second quarter of last year. I think even maybe the third quarter maybe. It I took mean, not even
2: on. just homes. They were off oh, loans on businesses. They were off – yeah. and the thing is they're overly conservative now, especially right. what happened after the, the Great Recession. Is They write off a lot more loans, um, and what happens is those come back and people start paying mm-hmm. on them. and. They look safe. Now it comes back in earnings on, on the balance, or excuse me, the income statement.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so that's why we do like the banks.
2: And I, I did read another conference call from another bank, not JP Morgan Chase, but I'm sure they're in a similar situation, is they have so much capital right now, but the Fed put restrictions on them last mm-hmm. year to buy back stock, increase dividends. They're saying, we're waiting for this to get lifted because we have so much capital that we can redeploy to give back to our shareholders, which will be great in either the form of the dividends or uh, buying back okay. stock.
1: And Joe, so two big questions. One, do you own any banks in the portfolio? Your portfolio. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, um, yeah, I do. Um, okay, you know, yeah. and I'm, not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
5: not. Yeah, I'm not your regular investor. So, um, yeah, I actually own a couple of banks. You know, and I went through a thing with my friend. Uh, you know, I told him, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell off the higher stuff I own and to keep the lower stuff because I, you know, cause I do like the banks and my, right. you know, I want to keep the lower stuff so I get the better dividend." And he's like, "Well." He's like, well, the, the dividend's the same. He goes, you know, if, if the pay is 50 cents a share, if whether you bought it at, you know, five bucks or you bought it at 10 bucks, it's 50 cents a share is still, you know, if you own five shares, you're still getting 50 cents for each share.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And I said, yeah, but if you keep the lowest price up, you're, you're, you know, you're getting the five, you know, the whatever percent at the, at the lower cost you know, with less. Uh, the yield capital. is important. You're, you're getting a better yeah. yield, right? Yeah, you get a better yield on the capital that you're investing. Right. You know, and he was, his thing was like, yeah, but 50 cents a share is 50 cents a share. It doesn't matter what the yield is. You're getting the same money for each share.
2: What if you have more shares? Right. <laughs> and yeah. It's like, yeah, you're right, right. But I can buy 10 more shares and get right. 50 cents times 10 shares and do five shares at 50 cents. You're right. It's 50 cents, but
1: <laughs> I'm getting more income. And the other thing, too, I think you will see those dividends increase uh, from the banks as well. So, yeah, but
5: right. I just said you guys, you said you just have more money invested when you're, you know, you know, if you buy at the higher price, it's just costing you more money for that. Yeah. Same
1: and, uh, and, dividend. And, and we have companies in our portfolio we bought like 10 years ago. The yield that we got in the initial investment now is like 13%, 14 15% because it's, it, 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 they have an in, increase those dividends over time. So that's the other thing you look at too. Short term, yeah, 50 cents to 50 cents. But when you look at the dividends longer term and what you paid for that, what your yield is, how it can increase over time. So uh, good conversation, though, yeah. with, your, with your buddy there. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah I, I got JPM, though. I got JPM and, and the BAC. So. And, and Joe,
1: I know, you you know you've been calling our show for a long time. For some reason, I have a feeling you won that uh, debate.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah I, yeah, I think you just understand. but I think we're just coming at it from different angles, too. You know? Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right, Joe. Hey, good talking to you. You have a good weekend. Okay, you guys, too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Gosh, I look down like, gosh, this two hours is going by too quick now. I mean, I'm going to have a 6 in the morning, like, oh. And, but the two hours on the show is just like zooming by. So uh, let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Catalina. Catalina, you're on the Smart Invest Show Brent Chase. How can we help you?
10: Hi. So I have a, a stock that I'm curious about. Okay. It, it's Laser, and I think the call sign is l a Z R, Luminaire t- Technologies.
1: Yep, you got the one. Now, do you hold that? You just kind of, kind of looking, poking around to see if you like it or not.
10: Oh uh, well, um, well, I have a brother-in-law who's a trucker, and with the news uh, a while ago about the truckers or the trucks, rather, going to autonomous vehicles one of these days, I was poking around, and um, this stock popped up. And of course. Um, it just hit the, the stock market a couple of weeks ago. So anyway, okay. I'm curious about
1: it. Okay. We may not have much on that since it just came public a couple of weeks ago, but we'll take a look at what we have here for Luminar Technologies Incorporated. Their symbol is L-A-Z-R. Uh, unfortunately here, Catalina, there is no P-E ratio versus 40 for the industry. Uh, no price of sales versus three and a half for the industry. We do have a price of tangible book value, kind of expensive, 28, but there is no tangible book value for the industry. No uh, price of cash flow. Uh, see, and and here's one thing that we don't have because of the fact that and I can't find my mouse on the screen. Where did my mouse go? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, oh, I'm on the wrong screen. You, you know, we have two screens here, and I, and I and the mouse gets lost on uh, one screen, and I can't yeah, pull yeah. it down. Oh, there we go. Sure. I found it. I got it. Okay, so uh, there's no dividend. Uh, there is no sales. They do have earnings per share fell quarter over quarter by 367 Uh, We do see the current ratio is 0.9. That's very risky. The industry is at 1.8. No debt to equity. That's positive for a growth company. You hate to have them come out with debt, which does happen sometimes. Uh, Return to equity a 56. No profit margin. No inventory turnover. No receivable turnover. Is there anything that you have, uh, Chase, uh, even how big this company is?
2: Yeah, so uh, looking at the current price, it is $34 a share, 52-week range here. Low is $9.45, and the high is $47.80. And I'm guessing here, uh, this company was a SPAC because if I look back to like April, May, June, July, their their price is pretty stable at $10 a share. And then it just shoots up, I think, after they announced the, the merger. And I, I think I recalled this. So this one is what we call a, a SPAC. So it was kind of how they became public. Uh, we're a little bit leery on, on that method. Um, that's a, a different concept there. The current mar- market cap for this company, kind of surprised by it, $11 billion for a business that... Uh, I don't think it has much going on right now. Uh, That does concern me. And also, I go forward, quite surprised here, there are four analysts on this company, but the average estimate for earnings in 2021 is a loss of 26 cents. So It's really a a big speculative stock here. You kind of talked about it's in the autonomous space. Um, I'm not sure if their kind of goal is to work with companies like Tesla, GM, or work with other companies. I'm not sure on their game plan on how they're getting involved in the autonomous space but it, it seems to be a big hype stock and $11 billion market cap for this company seems quite high and seems like you're borrowing a lot from the future.
10: Yeah,
1: okay. yeah definitely speculative here.
10: Yeah. Okay, well, we're all looking for the next Tesla stock. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. And, and I got to ask you, Catalina, are you a speculative investor? Are you conservative? Or?
10: Oh, I'm very conservative. Oh. But um, with, the, with the growth in the autonomous market, I don't think we're stepping backwards. And I think we're going forward, and right. this isn't the only company in the LIDAR uh, space. So um, it's worth taking a look at, of course, if you've got that money to just sit around for a while. But like I said, I'm very conservative. So and, I don't know if I want to move forward on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, and there are other companies you can get into that you won't have the big gains you could have with this company here. But uh-huh. they're still in that industry, so you can still be part of the industry and just realize that you won't get this maybe 1,000% gain. But you won't have that hundred percent loss either. So that's what you may want to consider. Be a little.
10: Wanna, I don't want a loss. My husband and I many years ago we invested in Calico. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but boy, that was a terrible mistake. Calico was that the baby? That was um, that was the beginning, beginning, beginning where Apple was, Calico was. It's like VHS and Beta. You know, who's going who's uh, to win out on this thing? And Coleco tanked out, and Apple just stored. Yep. <clears throat> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I don't remember that, but uh, that's, that's and again, that could be the same situation talk about with uh, Luminar Technologies, is that, you know, it could be here today and gone tomorrow because somebody else, like an Apple or somebody else, came in and just destroyed them.
2: And it, it's so funny you bring this up because mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to look back at history where people go back, I knew Apple was going to be Apple. <laughs> there could have been one little <laughs> instant that happened, that could have changed the whole course where I think it's Kalika yeah. could have been the Apple of today if one little yeah. thing changed and they, they started taking market share. It's always interesting to kind of look back at the history and kind of seeing those. And I know one too was like the iPod and I think it was like Zoom or there was like Microsoft came out with something oh, that was yeah. just not popular didn't, at yeah, all. Didn't work. So yeah. it's
1: it's it's an interesting story there. And you kind of wonder is it the marketing that they did, or is the product really that much better? I mean, sometimes marketing they just does catch bad. that fad and yeah. it it yeah. grows. Yeah. So well, there was a lot of
10: enthusiasm for Calico, a lot, just just like Apple. Yeah. But yeah. you're right. One thing led to the fate of one stock and the other. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Well, Catalina, thanks for calling. Have a good one.
10: All right, you too. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye. <laughs> All right, it's uh, I got nine fifty three. Is that uh, yep? Uh, because the clock on the wall says ten after six. So okay, so we got about five. Like, should we take one more, or should we take Facebook? I mean, we're going to go back and forth here. Uh, let's take a call.
2: Okay, we have a couple more on Facebook, but we'll, okay. we'll be here next. Week yeah, and, too. and I think
1: this is a new caller. I don't recognize the name, but uh, let's go to El Cajon and speak with Judy. Judy, you're on this morning best show. Brent Chase, how can we help you?
9: Good morning. Uh, I would like to know why Disney isn't
1: paying their dividends anymore. Oh well, that's an easy question. Uh, what they've done, like a lot of companies, back when the pandemic hit, the COVID nineteen hit, um, they didn't know what was going to really happen. So to reserve or preserve cash, uh, they stopped paying the dividend. And and unfortunately for Disney, now they're doing great stock wise because of the streaming, but the was it Disneyland in California is still closed, so and movies aren't doing very well. So they they pulled back on the dividend conserve cash so they don't go out of business or you spend all their cash.
2: And I know people might be upset by that uh, and I think Disney's just really, really expensive in terms of valuation but that's I think part of the reason why they are where they are today. If they they would have kept that dividend I don't think they would have had the same amount to invest yep. into their streaming business which is what has excited the market and you know it's tough when you, you can't open Disneyland and you still have to you know pay for things that go on at Disneyland and yeah. you can't open it up. Uh, So their cash flow was hurt in that regard. Uh, As we talked about, they had a huge box office success over the last couple of years. They couldn't release any movies in the theaters this year. Uh, So, I mean, they they were just hurting in those two realms. Um, But streaming is kind of what's carried on that stock price. Uh, And I I think their dividend will come back. I I wouldn't be surprised to see it uh, probably later part of this year is my guess.
1: Yeah, and I I just went back on, uh, on the cash flow statement to see what the dividends they were paying total for the company and it looks like it was 2.8 and i think this is million dollars they were paying and that for the quarter i don't believe that was for the whole year that these are these numbers are in millions so that would be yeah. 2.8 billion 2.8 billion that would be yeah so that's a lot of cash going out so they saved uh i think they started for the last three quarters they've saved roughly uh what nine billion dollars by by kind that dividend now, i assume you ha- you hold uh, disney judy Yes I do yep yep so i I, I think it could come back uh, although we we just don't know what they're going to do in California uh with Disneyland because it's it's a dead asset um they, they they're type, expensive to yeah exactly, that. um and yeah. the, the, they they do have the streaming, which has caused the stock to go up, but that's not improving their cash flow at all, so I, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I, I know other companies could start their dividend next quarter. Uh, Disney, I'm not I'm not going to predict it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's the nice thing here, as you said, Judy, is you lost the dividend, but I, uh, the streaming and, you know, I, I'm going to say the pandemic really led to streaming becoming really, really popular as part of that at-home trade, which I think has really benefited Disney stock. And I mean, uh, without kind of looking at the numbers closely, I, I, I do know this. The stock is very, very expensive at this time. I don't know if I would hold it in hopes of a dividend to return. Uh, we talked a little bit about financial companies earlier. They have decent dividends. I think there's a lot more potential in that area to get a good dividend at a better value, where Disney is it's great name. It's just gotten too pricey and gotten right. lumped in with a lot of these tech stocks.
1: And one thing I was thinking on that same note is that if you sold Disney, I don't know your whole portfolio, so don't sell it just my recommendation. I just want you to think about that. But if you got rid of Disney, you took that money, went to one of these other safe companies that are paying a 25 to 3% dividend, I think your cash will be much better than holding Disney because when they come out with another dividend, it may only be 1.5%. So you may want to kind of look at doing that. Does it make sense? you got to include taxes and so forth. But that's something I'm thinking. Sell Disney, buy another good quality business that has a 25 to 3% dividend yield. I think you'll do very well.
2: And Disney could go higher. It's just it's very, very risky here. And I, I don't think the income yield is, is going to be what it no. was just because the stock price has done so well. Yeah.
9: Right. I, well, I've held it for over forty years, so I, I, I'm probably just going to let it ride at this point.
2: <laughs> Sound like a short-term trader, there, Judy? Yes. <laughs> I
9: know. Uh, a long time. So, uh, anyway, well, thank you very much for your help, I, and I love the show. Loved have uh, listened for years.
1: Well, thank you, Judy. Appreciate that, and don't be a stranger there. Okay.
9: Okay. Thank you so much.
1: Bye. Bye. All right. Well, gosh, that uh, pretty much wraps up the show. It did go by. This two hours just flew by today. Oh yeah, man. maybe it's my new microphone. I, I don't. Yeah, maybe you're not looking down the yeah, whole time. Yeah, so my it's... back was killing me. Like, yeah, oh, that's what it was. And so, so they gave me this nice new microphone, so my back is better, so I can go home and uh, well do some reading. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it was a great show. And and again, uh, you know, we're on Facebook and 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 uh, many different places as well.
2: Yeah, and we, we apologize. I mean, we have a lot now with the you know. Callers and, mm-hmm. and Facebook. We don't always get to everybody. Uh, I know our friends over at uh, Kearney Mesa Dodge had a question. We wanted to come oh, back to them. Nice. But Sorry, we missed them. Got next it. week, we'll contact get us again. We'll be yep. back.
1: All righty. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858. 858- 546-4306, that's 858-546-4306 and visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com and for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page Smart Investing with Brent Chase-Wilsey Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters, closing song is provided by performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day, we'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show
0: And may I say
3: This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.